right, we're back for a very late edition to the Victor Podcast Quarantine Cast Extravaganza. Uh, this could be considered our pilot episode of a Big Nerds After Dark. Oh my. I feel like we've done later. <laughs> Probably. Probably. We, we, we recorded have. it in the morning before. Oh yeah. We most certainly sure. have done later, boys. Yeah. Uh, but I only have one thing to say to you guys. Passion was passion and love was love, regardless oh. of who the participants involved were or what sort of body they were assigned at birth. Is Ready Player a- Two. Or uh, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I, I got it. Ben. Was that from Ready Player Two? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, right before he started, because before we started recording doing this, I we talked a little bit, because I haven't bought Ready Player Two yet. I don't know if I'm going to get Ready, Ready Player Two soon. Roll on I, through the story, Ben. Let's go. But, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was like right before he bounced out, I was like, hmm, maybe I could go grab Ready Player One in, for a bit, but... Nah, it's it's downstairs now, and I'm upstairs. So boy, just... boy, how how you make a worse book is how I, is what I'm curious about because from all the from all the excerpts I've seen, holy shit, Ernest Klein, are you kidding me? Come Did on. you see the one? You saw the one where it was like I decided to search X Men. Yeah. Oh wow. yeah. The, bo- the bondage. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Also, no, that, that one. That one three paragraph section that kept getting retweeted and in that part of the thread that's just like names like eight properties in one paragraph. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. I watched it. I watched a thirty minute review, uh, literally before we started talking about the entire book. And guys, I'm um, Sword Art Online is so such a big deal because in, in in Ready Player Two, real quick, Steven Spielberg, hey Mag, Steven Spielberg hey, had had direct influence on Ready Player Two because eventually that movie is going to get made eventually. So oh, some yeah. of the stuff that Steven Spielberg put into Ready Player Two is just Sword Art Online, but because it was so so similar to Sword Art Online, Ernest Klein just made the plot Sword Art Online, and now the actual game Sword Art Online is in the plot of Ready Player Two. And it's and it's like, that's not from the 1980s, Ernest. How does this, this doesn't make sense, Ernest? And I, and I gotta tell you guys, Sword Art Online is pretty much as bad as Ready Player One. Oh it's, no, I've seen SAO. It's, it's bad. I've, I've seen SAO and I've seen SAO too. I know. But he's quoting. Why did like, you do SAO too, Ben? Why did you keep going? You have but, to know. What do you? What do you mean? So it's not I stopped at SAO too. So the, I mean, the I, sorry, Ben. Real quickly, the the plot of this game, of this book, it's not it back. It's not 1980s nostalgia anymore. Now this dude is like, uh, uh, uh a pop culture god who knows all of pop culture, not just the 1980s pop culture. But it's still it is still really 1980s inspired, but because Wade is now the protagonist, it's now like the second level of nerd stuff. So there's still yeah. oh, there's still a lot of 80s stuff, but like man, like the plot is sort of online. People can't get out of the of the oasis because they're trapped in the reality. And I'm just like, wow. Oh, <laughs> all right. So it's three minutes too long. It's three minutes too long. No, I woke I woke up and then I looked on my Twitter feed and then I saw oh hey people are tweeting about Ready Player Two did that book come out and I saw it came out that day I'm like oh that's neat and then I delve and then I scrolled two screens down and I'm like oh 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 no. for those of you for those of you uh, li- li- uh, listening watching whatever tuning into the idea that I just read a passage from Ready Player Two the, uh, the it is attached to a longer passage of uh, Wade talking about how great it is that he just met some that he just met someone who was assigned male at birth and it didn't send him into a sexual frenzy listen there's some very uh 
um, him trying to be woke, but only the way that a super white dude who doesn't know how to be woke can be woke. Yeah. And that's his way of doing it. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fully fault him. It's just still really gross and messy. But at least he's trying. You could have asked someone. Oh no, that would require like research instead of just looking anyway. at your disc library. That hey, is guys. four. That is four and a half minutes too long of talking about Ready Player Two. Can we talk about good things? Yeah, may I go first? I have some Please. things I want to get out of the way. Get, get it. Um, I'm gone. Oh. Bye. <laughs> 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 if you're listening, I just tumbled. <laughs> right? Oh boy! We're talking about everything's fine. Wow, that was good. Ryan, how much cough syrup have you drank? No, oh, none. That was comic books that knocked us over, not my stupidity. <laughs> uh, anyway, real quickly, um, lost my whole train of thought. <laughs> um, right, we have some links in the description below. We have. Ben's newest article in the description below, and we have Ryan and his downright annoyed group talking about planes, trains, and automobiles in the description I'm below. I'm so happy about that. It's so good. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Since where you bring up downright annoyed, I was just thinking about how nice it was a year ago when right around this time yeah. we were getting the downright nerdy crew with us to talk Star Wars. That was fun. That was I fun. Fell, yeah, was I fell fun. in I fell in the bathroom. Shout out oh, to no. the public people. Yeah, that was that period of time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we miss you, downright nerdy man. Coming home to watch Star Wars movies in preparation for that episode was great. Mm-hmm. Just uh, man, my, great. my father being here for Thanksgiving last year, while I'm like plowing through Star Wars movies on the couch, he's like, "I, I guess this is okay." <laughs> so <laughs> this we're going is... through the prequels, and he's like, <laughs> "Kind of over this." <laughs> What's Just... happening? No, Fanny and I watching the prequels and me Instagramming all the memes from them and do like when Palpatine jumps from his from his chair to attack Mace Windu and the other Jedi to fucking shooting stars. Yeah, that's a that's a power now. Oh, that wow. is yeah. Hit the Sith screech. The Sith screech. <laughs> no, and even just and finally me and Michael and Riley face to face for the first time was just awesome. Yeah, yeah that that was fun. We miss uh, you. Yeah, right that we couldn't do that again this this year. Damn COVID. And then real quickly, uh, I need to make an amendment to my absolutely bullshit review last week of New Mutants. Um, uh, oh? You know, I, I said it on the show. Hey, who really cares? Who honestly cares about any of our reviews? They mean nothing. However, what? it turns out I woke up in the middle of the night screaming because I gave the movie a 7.5. Why? I, that's not true. I didn't do any of this. Okay. Um, but upon rewatch, 7.5 was not actually what I wanted to say. Okay. I'm to say 6.5. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that there you go. At 6.5, New Mutants, join us next week for the Victor podcast. Okay. Yeah. I changed my review. I give it an eight. Well, oh, fuck. Nine. I don't care. <laughs> I you want to play this game? I don't. I've been for a week and the world has gone topsy turvy. It's crazy. Magic will do that to you. Um. Uh, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it be difficult to card, yeah. <laughs> I made one. I made one like that. I should that's, put that up. That's a bingo. Uh, okay. Now I'll talk about some of the stuff I did this week. It's Thanksgiving. There wasn't a whole lot that I was able to do. Um, I watched most of the stuff with my with my girlfriend and my mom only watches Chicago PD. Sorry, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire. Oh, and Chicago shows. 
there's there's Brandon, I, I'm also shocked how many of those shows there are. There's also straight up a show just called like Chicago Fire Police and Medical, and it's just all of them. And I'm just it's like, it's a wow, crossover. You... Oh, it's a crossover. Okay, I'm like, it's wow, the it's Legends like... of Tomorrow. Oh wow, epic. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, wow. it, she, she loves all the shows, by the way, real quickly, uh, Chicago PD is incredibly insensitive this year. Oh, no. Um, cause they are dealing with the BLM movement and how, how tough it is to be a cop that, since BLM happened. Oh, true facts. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. So that was fun. All those dangerous water bottles. <laughs> anyway, but I did manage to do some stuff. I finished Grace and Frankie. Um, I finished all six seasons of that show. Um, I made a joke earlier this week about how if you watch the West Wing season one to Grace and Frankie season six, you can see in real time Martin Sheen's hair get gray. Mm. <laughs> um, and that is so true because it's really wild. Um, yeah, he's he's really fun. As, so he plays a gay guy who's married to Sam Waterston, who I don't know if you guys saw the newsroom. He was the uh, not the head of the network. That was Jane Fonda. But um like uh the the boss of the of that one station did he report the news no he ordered the people to report the news damn it all right i know who sam watterson is he's a good actor yeah he's a really good actor he's so he and martin sheen are both gay in the show and they're and they're married and they're uh just kind of exploring their love and their life and um jane fonda really surprises me in the show uh shit got it okay sorry that was all vamping because i totally forgot what i wanted to say um john gallagher is in the show in the last couple seasons um he's amazing okay <laughs> he is so damn funny in that show um real quickly john gallagher oc right yes the I right think, name? uh peter gallagher peter gallagher peter i think gallagher. i know peter gallagher and sandy cohen from the oc now i know peter i know peter gallagher that yeah. handsome dude yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah, i was gonna say you're saying john gallagher but i don't know it <laughs> yeah peter gallagher yeah, Peter Rewind. Gallagher. Uh, Peter Gallagher is fantastic. The uh, the uh, father of the bride in Kristen Milotti and Andy Samberg's time loop movie we watched earlier this year. Oh, Springs, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's um, great. Yeah, Peter Gallagher. He he is he marries Jane Fonda, um, cool. uh, in the in the show. And there's a bit where Jane Fonda's like, "I want to meet your son. I want to meet your 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 son, your adult son who works with you." And it's like, okay, so. His assistant, who was his ex-wife, ends up being there with Jane Fonda. They don't know that that was the ex-wife. Um, and then the son shows up and he says, oh, hi, mom. I didn't know you'd be here. Jane Fonda says, you don't need to call me mom. And then the girl, shit, it's a Doc Brown's girlfriend from Back to the Future 3. Oh, uh, um, I forgot her name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that girl. I, okay. I knew it. I she, she freaking in, knew it. She was also in Joan of Arcadia. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it last night. I'm sorry, I forgot the name now. Um, but she's the mom. Okay. Uh, she's the she's the mom of this of this kid, adult son. And John G Peter Gallagher walks in, and he just goes, "Hey." He turns around and walks away. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> it was just so funny. Um, I I am now 100 sold. Like all you have to tell me is Peter Gallagher is fantastic in something, and I'm like, well, now I'm, uh, now I will watch it at some point. Yeah, he he's later in the series. Um, sure. He, play, he plays a rich guy, and one one of the lines that he, he's playing, uh, so he's super rich, um, and and he goes up to uh, Frankie's boyfriend, who is, um, oh my God, Winston from Ghostbusters. 
Ernie Hudson. Ernie yeah. Hudson. Thank you. Uh, Ernie Hudson is in it, and so he's a farmer, and he, you know, he, he's a lower class farmer, and so, so they they meet each other, and Peter Gallagher just goes, "You know what's funny? We pay the same number in taxes." <laughs> <laughs> and okay. that's just how the scene ends <laughs> that sounds that sounds like my type of comedy okay yeah uh so he's All a right. lot of fun good job grace and frankie um i watched a couple of movies uh i watched a movie that i wanted to see for many many years um back when movie pass was still a thing i got movie pass because i wanted to see this movie in theaters and i couldn't find the time so i finally watched it. it's on hulu i watched professor Mar professor marston and the wonder women this is the biopic of the creator of Wonder Woman, William Moulton Marsden. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, it, I was really surprised at how uh, not about Wonder Woman it was. It's not about him creating Wonder Woman. It's actually about his personal life. Um, Dude has a crazy personal life. Insane. Yeah. Watching this movie, I knew none of this. Um, for those of you who don't know, he, he had, um, an open marriage with a, with a young college student, um, that him, his wife, him, his wife, and, and she were all just in love and were into bondage later on, later on. Um, and that, you know, that's how they created Wonder Woman and his, according to the movie, obviously this could be, this could not be real life, but according to the movie, he created Wonder Woman the way Wonder Woman was with the superpowers and the bondage and the lesbianism and things like that, like, because he wanted to empower women mm -hmm. like that was his way of like letting women to be free and, and be their true selves. Um, That's true. Then, he was a massive feminist. And then like not DC, but like the government was like, no, no, no. And he had to like leave the character because mm -hmm. it was no longer the character. Um, really, really good. I watched it and I made a community joke. I don't know if you guys remember um real quickly which historian says yeah they did a really good job with that movie yes <clears throat> um luke evans he's great uh i made a joke from community there's a scene in the community where the dean is watching dalmatian dancing like men dresses you, ho you hope that this doesn't awaken something in you <laughs> so like i made the joke i was watching this like i hope this doesn't awaken anything in me and did it we'll talk after the show no, it's um, fake nerds after dark, baby. You talk now. It is past midnight. <laughs> I bought all the handcuffs. <laughs> God. Fuzzy or not? Oh, it was a Black Friday sale. Everything was all. <laughs> I had to. Two for one cuffs. What are you going to do? I bought Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond the Animated Series on Blu ray, and a ton of handcuffs. Like a normal person. Hey. Sounds normal. Did you get the ones with the with the pre-release with the release latch or the ones without the release latch? I'm done. Ben, Ben, you always get the non-release because it's so much more fun to find the key. Come on, where's your sense of adventure? Put the key in my butt, guys. But no, you 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 close your eyes and you throw the key and you don't even think about it. Baby's first bondage over here. Oh my god! I will say, I will say, real really, I. I was missing the first three, the first two volumes of Sunstone for like a year for some reason. I I may have rebought those to give the books a reread. Just gonna I, them I think there. I know the reason. I shut up. Um. So I also <laughs> watched. Um. I also watched two Christmas movies this week. Uh, Christmas Chronicles Part Two came out. Uh, boy, you guys, that that 
Kurt Russell as Santa is a joy. Yeah. I I stand my my uh, saxophone jazz singing Santa. I'm into it. And he's got uh, a Goldie Hawn in there too, right? Goldie Hawn plays Mrs. Claus in this one. Uh, she's great. Um, like all good sequels, uh, it builds the lore. The kid from Deadpool and The Hunt for the Wilder People, he's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know exactly who he is from the moment the movie starts because that movie is very predictable. Yeah. Um, but like it's but like then they throw in time travel at the last minute and be like, hey, surprise, time travel. Um, uh, and that's some that's some good stuff. I really. Uh, really? Oh, what? What? Okay. Which historian says all handcuffs have the same key, so it's not a huge deal if you lose the key. Police have a backup. Oh boy! I did not know that. I just I learned that. something. I just learned something today. Thank you, which historian. Wow. Yeah, you don't need to worry about it. That seems like a loophole in the system, if I've ever heard one. You're you're, you're being risky, but really you're risk free. So no <laughs> guys, way, my friend. Do you guys remember Robin Hood Men in Tights? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, sweetheart, it doesn't fit. What? <laughs> Call the locksmith. The locksmith. <laughs> That's a good movie. Anyway, uh, Jesus. So, the Christmas Chronicles Part Two. Um, I, I, this is a, this is a lot of fun. It's uh, Kurt Kurt Russell had just having a blast as Santa Claus as he did in the first one. I think both of those are honestly new Christmas classics. If you like the Santa Claus and the Santa Claus Part Two, think the same thing. This is that's what you got here, guys. Hopefully, Christmas Chronicles Part Three is not the same thing as the Santa Claus Part Three. The, the the escape clause? The escape I, clause. I hear Martin Short is already set up to return as Jack Frost. Oh yeah. It's a it's actually a crossover. As long as he doesn't return as Loki. It's I'm the Santa verse. Can we uh can we not? Uh, Ryan got my reference. Um, I, listen, there's, there's only one Santa verse that I'm interested in and it's our book club, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a great, great time. I highly recommend those two movies, uh, especially if you're a Kurt Russell fan and if you like Christmas movies, fun Christmas movies. I, and then I, I have w- heard, I have heard people say uh, better things about the second one than the first one. Uh, not that the people didn't like it, but like the, my Twitter sphere, people are like, "Yo, this is just like a lot of fun. It's just like a good Christmas, good time." Yeah, I mean, like I, I make the allusion to the Santa Claus and the Santa Claus too, because you know what? They're good, fun. they're good, they're good fun. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll probably make the time to watch them this year. Um, mm-hmm. That school's over. And then I watched Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Grace's new film on Hulu, Happiest Season. What a man, what a week this movie's had. Uh, yeah. It's so interesting. I I I'd heard about this way earlier because I started following uh uh I forget her last name right now, but Mary uh who's in it, uh and cause she's uh the droid in Jedi training Academy. So I started following her on Instagram because I realized I saw her in a bunch of stuff. And then I started seeing through her Instagram promotional material about happiest season, like who was in it and what it was about. And I'm like, Oh, that's going to be great when that comes out. And so Mm -hmm. I still haven't had the time to watch it, but I'm excited for it. I really like it. I am definitely team Riley. Screw Hannah. Oh, Um, sounds like twilight. Uh Oh, uh, uh, all the performers are great, and obviously Chris Stewart is great. Is great. Aubrey Plaza uh, plays Mackenzie Grace's ex from high school, um, and the more you learn about Mackenzie Grace, the more you kind of start to hate her. Um, but it's a it's a really good rom com, lesbian rom com that you just don't see often. It is the same thing as a normal rom com, just hey, two women. Wait, and during Christmas, and during Christmas, who does Chris Case do play? She plays the girlfriend. She plays the girlfriend of Mackenzie. What's Grace. her name? What's her character's name? Name is abby okay 
and yeah. uh, Mackenzie Mackenzie Grace is Hannah. And why did why did that matter? Because he said he was team. Um, Aubrey Plaza plays a character named Riley. Oh, Kristen oh. Stewart's the like center character, and there's oh, the other okay. girl. There's her girlfriend, and then another girl. And so people have opinions about the girl who's dating Kristen Stewart. Okay, which is really like, nice that everybody's really positive about Kristen Stewart in this movie because she's yeah, okay. damn it. I'm, I'm sorry because I thought Kristen Stewart was wasn't the main focus of the movie. I thought it was the other girl who was the main focus. My bad. Yeah, uh, honestly, really good time. I really enjoyed it. I I was surprised at how much I loved it. Excellent. Um. Okay. And then I beat the campaign and almost beat the rest of the game of Spider-Man Miles Morales. Ooh, hot dog. Hot um, dog. That game is so good. Yeah, I uh, I still haven't played. I didn't play it this week, but uh, people are saying, man, they really like that ending a lot. And I'm like, yeah. I thought that first ending was good. How do you beat that? And like, apparently you do. And I'm like, hell yeah, baby. There's I'm, a lot of really good stuff in this game. I'm excited when I get to it in April. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I... I because of that, we might not be able to do a review anytime soon of the of the game. But uh, I really hope that we can find the time because that's a that is a really tight, really great just representation of Miles Morales. Please yeah. tell me all three of you saw that um, video of that guy playing Spider Man Miles Morales where it glitched and he was a heat lamp. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. Ben Ben, there are there are hundreds of videos of you turning into mailboxes, cars, cats. Uh, uh, a, a sewage drain like where the turtles pop out of like literally everything it's it's beautiful I, my, my favorite one my favorite one is when the guy is doing a car mission and he's a block of ice and yeah. he's like so he's laughing really hard and as they pass a fence he becomes the fence and yeah. then as they pass a coat rack he becomes the rack of shirts and then as they pass like he and he's the side of the building at the end of the at the end of the video i uh i didn't have that experience on my ps4 so that's a ps5 thing yeah, I, I, I didn't have any. No, apparently I that saw Spider-Verse tweet. suit is so, yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I saw a tweet from Mike from Brian Michael Bennis about that, about the, the heat lamp. He's like, oh, didn't you guys know that it's Canada? He turns into a heat lamp. Yeah, you should have read my, my issue. Uh, I was with Jeremy when I watched, because I was in Monterey this last week, and I when I watched the uh, heat lamp video, and we were like, silently like chuckling with each other in the first part and then the web swing happened and i literally like dropped my phone and we both like rolled back like oh no because it just launches yeah yeah, yeah heat lamp and then we uh, yeah google google miles morales glitches if you guys haven't seen any of these videos they're fantastic yeah that's all i did that's all i got i'll go next I go. did not do a whole lot, so God, the cats found me. What? I said, oh god, the cats found me. The cats oh, are vibing. It's vibe like time. All here. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, kitty. There's, there's uh, a, another community joke. What is with this cat? <laughs> so my uh, my week wasn't well, a whole lot of stuff was done. The buns, the stuff I did do was I read, I caught up with some of my books. I now have my Ten of Swords I need to read, so I read a bunch of stuff before Ten of Swords, such as I caught up on a Death Metal. Oh, I read that. I read Ten of Swords. All right, cool. And um, I gotta say, so I got the third issue of um, Mega Man Fully Charged, and while I was reading that, it made me think it's kind of dark compared to the TV show, 
I, I haven't watched the TV show in fully. The only stuff I've seen of TV show was from that little preview I got to see at Comic Con uh, last year. And I have to say, is like from what I remember the kid of uh, the TV show, it is very much a kids show. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reading this book, I'm like, what happened? Like it, the the tone just went dark, just like straight. It wasn't just like oh, it's like smidge. It's like nope. Ben, is it? Is it like post-apocalyptic, or is like is there a reason that there's a different tone, or is it just this is now the different tone of the book? Um, it's taking. I'm going to say it's taking parts of the show. So whatever happened at the end of the show, it's moving forward after that. Because I think what happened. Because I tried try to do some research, also try to find a place if there was anywhere where I could stream it. Not really, unfortunately. Ben, uh, you have a computer now. I will find you the place. That's right. And so and. uh I mean, I, I I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it. I actually kind of like it. I just wish I knew some of the more intricacies, like why does Mega Man hate this one character, or or why the hell is their Proto Man uh, knockoff called Namagen, which is Mega Man spelled backwards. So is that a case of you not watching the show that you should? Just I think use- it's more of a case yeah. not watching the show. But the thing is, as I'm reading, it's like hmm, I want to know what happens more. And the lat and spoiler because I know you guys don't care about. Uh, they introduce zero, like Mega, uh, like this zero from the Mega Man X uh, video games. That's so. There's zero one. Zero's cool, man. Oh. That's a cool guy. Yeah. That's a cool guy. So for me, I'm like, wait, they introduced zero? Because for those of you who don't know, the Mega Man and the Mega Man X games, they are in the same timeline. So it's like, holy shit, this is cool. So I'm looking forward. Apparently it's only like a four issue or a six issue miniseries, which kind of bums mm. me out. But okay, that's that's fine. Like like you need more comics to be buying yeah. right now. Yeah, like I need more comics to be bought right now. But once Ten of Swords is done, my pull list is gonna go from this to this. Yeah, is it? You're gonna you're gonna drop the X Men? No, I'm still keeping the X. Wait, are you talking about all the X Men or the X? Yeah, I'm talking about all the X Men, baby. How, how can, can you? Quit? How can you how drop can you Hellion? How could you drop Hellions now? Or like X Factor? Like how can you drop you're, any of these? You're no joke. <laughs> No joke, Hellions had my two favorite issues from this entire crossover. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. (laughs) Because some of them... uh, That next issue of Hellions, holy shit. It's going to be juicy. Because some of them are going to hunt down, and I don't want to hunt them down. I don't don't know. What's our player? (laughs) What about the list? I'm dying. Oh my god. Hunting down the most popular comics in mainstream comics right now, it's going to be real hard. Just, I'm just kidding, Ben. We're just, don't drop X Men. Drop other worse books. That's what we're saying. No, actually, actually, oh. there are some books that are. Well, Young Justice just ended. That was the last DC book I you had. You got a DC miniseries ending soon. You got Death Metal ending soon. Like, don't drop X Men. They love you. Although I'm looking forward to Batman Catwoman. I want to read that. Oh yeah. Yeah, that one's that one's going up. But wow. so besides besides the so besides the comic books I read, um. I watched a little bit more of Animaniacs. Not, I only watched one episode. The, um, the second episode of it, I'm I'm loving it. I was laughing my ass off, especially when the it was on my Instagram. You guys, I know you four or you three saw it, but when Peaky runs out yelling Leroy Jenkins, I lost my shit. People, people seem to like that thing. I'm enjoying it. I uh, I watched a couple episodes, and uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm not hearing bad things. I was things. expecting that to go in a different direction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing good to really good. I'm not hearing mm-hmm. bad. I mean, all the episodes I watched, I they got a lot of laughs out of me. I think more, 
more it's, it's been years since i last saw the original animaniacs and i and i said before animaniacs is one of those shows that i didn't really gravitate towards i was more looney tunes tiny tunes classic war brother lunatics yeah <laughs> we had a conversation about that earlier and guys so, there's a lunatics joke in animaniacs I, there is. I was floored hell yeah there is and i saw that i'm like it's progress what so besides that um didn't watch a whole lot of and i caught up on ruby i was a few weeks behind on ruby because of the move so i caught up on that and uh the only other thing like nerdy i did was i just reorganized my uh, video games my video i just video game, organized my game thing and i'm waiting for a hdmi uh switcher to come in the mail so i can get my mini consoles nice and displayed and i can play them <laughs> nice real so, quickly what sorry but real quickly mag it's almost midnight. If you want to, you can go to bed. We won't be upset. <laughs> Wait, do we only have one watch Look around? Out for your health. Yeah. We appreciate you always do this. We really do. But, you know, look after you, man. Hey, maybe he loves us that much. I appreciate you, baby. Uh, I, is he still out of the country? Is he still... Cause still I remember running I... from the law, yeah. I think he's running from the law. Mexico, dude. Yeah, he lives no in extradition. Mexico. He said that he had family in Mexico. You know what I like about these five states? No extradition. Oh. Wait, where's Whoa. that from? That's five. Oh, okay. oh geez. <laughs> oh my God, is that really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, but um, I mean, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was nice. Uh, we got a gobble. We, watched, we did the Star Wars tradition of watching a Star Wars movie, which I was a little nervous of because last year we watched the Last Jedi, and then I was talking to uh, Fanny's friend Grace. And I was like, okay, so we watched Last Jedi next year. That means the next one in line is Rise of Skywalker. She's like, oh, no, I saw that in theaters. I don't need to watch that. And we're like, thank the Lord. So we watched New Hope instead. But you jumped back to episode one. Wait, what? <laughs> All I was going to say, what do you mean Last Jedi is the last Star Wars movie? Oh, okay. They didn't make any more Star Wars movies after Last Jedi. Don't yeah, we're waiting for Dave Filoni's episode nine. <laughs> uh, Mag says, been Ooh. back since the seventh and, and a night owl. So he's been back since the eleventh. Nice. Yeah. All right, and he's an animal, just like we are. What up? What else yeah. you got, Ben? Um, that was it. All right. It. I mean, got my washer and dryer installed. So, whoop yeah. whoop. Ryan, you want to go next? Yes, I will. I did not do very much this week. Uh, uh, my my roommate Sparks. Even though we are currently in the same house right now, we are separated because I'm not feeling very well. But he was gone for a week, so uh, I didn't have a lot it's of motivations. COVID. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. We'll find out if it's COVID. It's not COVID. So I didn't do anything with Sparks, unfortunately. Uh, but I read a lot of comics. So I'm going to go through some of the comics that I read. Um, guys, this comic book, it's called X of Swords. Destruction. And I'm not exaggerating. This is the best looking book of the year. The art in this book is, it's its so exceptional. I can't, There's not enough uh, big words I could use to fully express how beautiful this book really is. Uh, like this is probably going to win all, all the art awards it can. Uh, Pepe Larraz is the greatest working comic artist of our generation. If I uh, it's, he's he's for, insane. I can't even believe it. Right. If I may interject for a hot second, you're going to Ben, ben from the Fake Nerd Podcast, you you have the floor. I also <laughs> read uh, the first issue of Marius Calgar. Oh, thank you. Yeah, How'd you like I, it? I, I bought it and I'm intrigued. I'm probably going to give it a few more issues. Um, I need Once I go back to the store this week, I'm probably going to hopefully they still have copies of issue two because issue two came out already, right? Yes. Yeah, because I that's not my Polish guy I just picked up. I was like, mm, right, and I'm I'm intrigued. I am calling me intrigued. If this think, is good, yeah. like, 
it, Ryan, this is going to be my gateway into me being a diehard Warhammer fan. I'm blaming you. I don't. Well, I mean, that's what I want for everyone. And I got you guys with X-Men. So, like, I'm not worried about my, my other things. But, like, uh, this is a very good introduction to Warhammer. So, like, if you're out at, all, at all interested, this is a this is a gateway. Like, it's not going to give you the hardcore, hardcore stuff that, like, a mm -hmm. novel will give you. But 20 pages of Warhammer is, is a month is beautiful. It's better. I, it's I, No, I didn't have it before. You, know? yeah, you probably answered this question before, but did you ever play the tabletop game? I couldn't afford it. Okay. Wait, hella expensive. That's why I play the PC games. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I'm looking forward to reading issue two because I'm like, <laughs> hmm, what's going to happen? Anyways, sorry. The floor is no. Nope. No, thank, thank you. I'm going to take back the stage. Uh, Juggernaut continues to just be a really solid entry into the X-Men line. Uh, Kane Marco uh, still trying to just be a good guy. Uh, really fun issue. Um, uh, uh, Fabian Nicieza, he's writing that X-Men Legends book. Uh, so good for him. I like that he's back in X-Men. Taskmaster, you guys know how much I love Taskmaster. This is a miniseries. This book is effing funny, you guys. It's about Taskmaster and all these people who are trying to hunt him down. Uh, Nick Fury's involved. It's really great. Marie, Marie, Maria Hill's dead. We don't know why. Uh, really fun. If you like Taskmaster, definitely check it out. Oh, Iron Man! Guys, Chris Cantwell can't do wrong right now. So I'm going to talk about uh, Iron Man. That's it. Iron Man's great, but he's also writing Doctor Doom. Chris Cantwell is writing two of my two, my two favorite Marvel books right now that's not X-Men. I, I love X-Men. I It's always going to be my favorite, but other books are great. I just got to say that. Um, Sparks, I know you're reading Doctor Doom. You haven't read issue eight, right? That's okay. So I won't spoil this too much, but um, this book is such a beautiful deep dive into who Doctor Doom is as a person, who he is as a character, and who he wants to become after after being the infamous Iron Man and returning back to his status quo roots of being Doctor Doom, right? Um, so a quick, just because this book's almost over, I'm just going to give a quick summary of what it's about, the book. Um, there is a there is a lab on the moon, and they're trying to do uh, experimental energy stuff, you know, for, for unlimited energy, you know, the comic thing that everyone does. Um, it goes wrong, and a black hole erupts. And Latveria is Latveria is blamed, and Doctor Doom is blamed. So this entire book is about Doctor Doom trying to clear his name, um, trying to become a better person, trying to uh, make the world not hate him as much as they have the last sixty years, which is really hard because he's an evil tyrannical maniac. But um, this this issue specifically just goes so into his psyche of like, I want to be a good person, but I'm evil. How do I fix this? And it's not something comics get to do very often. And I think Chris Cantwell, this, this in Iron Man, he's writing such complex characters that honestly, for the last 10 years, have been pretty, uh, besides Hickman writing Doom, obviously, have been pretty mundane. Uh, I love Iron Man, but he has been Robert Downey Jr. the last 10 years in the comic books. And this is the first comic that I've read where he doesn't feel like Robert Downey Jr. So uh, if you guys want to read a really great Iron Man, this is the time, baby. This is it. I Walk With Monsters. You were going to say something, Sparks? No, I was just going to say Marvel's been killing it pretty much across the board. So, Oh, yes. Cantwell's um, certainly a part of that equation. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm loving it. Um, I Walk With Monsters is the new number one from Vault. Vault! Vault's my favorite publisher right now. This book's very heavy and very sad, but it's about a girl who goes around finding serial killers to kill with a man who is also a serial killer monster. Um, and that's all I'm going to tell you, but it's it's a, got a heavy, deep premise, and it's a really, really, really solid first issue. And Vault continues to put out these exceptional genre pieces that no other publisher's putting out. Um, the last three books I'm going to talk about are DC comics, you guys. Can you believe it? I'm going to talk positively about DC for three comic books. Guys, Wonder Woman, Mariko Tamaki. She's been doing a pretty okay run. Uh, I'm going to be honest. It's been pretty okay. Uh, I think she's starting to pick, pick it up, starting to get uh, more of a flow of what, what she wants to be as a superhero writer. 
Um, I think she has a great voice for Diana and she's actually a really good comedic writer and she's begin sl slowly getting funnier and funnier with each book. Uh, so I, I'm kind of glad that she's getting her, uh, getting, what's the word? Getting her bearings or whatever. Yeah. Red Hood, number 51. This is the first Red Hood comic I bought in uh, 10 years. Um, this has a black creative team. This entire issue is about diversity in Gotham. Every single one of you needs to buy this book to show that you care about diversity in comics because uh, there are so many brown people are in Gotham and every other bad book's full of white people. I'm just like, this is awesome. I have never read a comic like this. The art is amazing. It makes fun of the event that it just went through. Um, it's fantastic. Red Hood, uh, I want to read a good Jason Todd book. Um, he's not in it very much. The, the setup of, of this uh, distinct part of Gotham where Jason is now going to operate in, it introduces us to these other villains and other vigilante heroes and all these other people in the city. And it feels very much like a Power Man and Iron Fist, like Heroes for Hire book where it's like him doing ground level stuff for the city. And I just, I really like it. And I'm glad I gave it a shot. The last book guys. And if you guys didn't pick this up, you got issues. I got, you got problems. It's the other history of the DC universe. Um, holy shit. Holy shit, guys. This is a very dense, very dense book. There is so many words in this book. It is basically, uh, it is basically all prose. Um, it's about growing up in the seventies as a black person with superheroes being real and how, Superman, Superman might actually be kind of arrogant because he, the way he was raised and all the stuff of what of not white supremacy, white uh, privilege and how even superheroes that are black get treated, get get risen up to the status of white people. And it's it's and again, it's something like like uh, uh, Superman smashes the Klan when like one of those really, really important books. Um, it, it's so good, you guys. And there's so much. It's so dense. I can't it's, it's like an hour reading this book because I wanted to go over every single detail. It's so beautiful. Um, I'm so glad this book got to come out. Like, please buy the other history of the DC universe, guys. Please purchase this book. It is so beautiful. I love it. Oh, wow. I, uh, so that was, uh, I did stop off at my, my old local comic store in Monterey and, uh, just to pick up the things that weren't on my pull list that I knew were coming out. And that was one of them. And I'm like, I'm not missing that. So that's, it that's is. one I definitely picked up, but I didn't yeah. get Red Hood 51. That's I'm okay. I'm going to add that to my list. I, everyone, cause listen, if that book. Uh, Scott Lobdell was on that book for for uh, uh, since the new, it's for ten years yeah, since he, the New Fifty Two. He was on that book ever since the New Fifty Two started. Yeah, he was the one creator there, who was on his books the whole run. There were some people who came came back and forth, but he was the sole guy for basically ten years. Um, Justin you get, Jordan did like ten issues or something like that. Yes, uh, that's that's what I'm referring to. Yes, and those uh, people seem to like those again out of all ten years. But um, you have to show you have to show the publishers that you that you you care about representation and you cannot wait for the comic book characters you want to be written by black people you have to support black people writing comics now and you know what even if i don't like red hood in the next couple issues i will at least give it a chance because if you do not give chances to people of color and women that are writers it will only be white dudes writing the comics the rest of our lives and i can't do it anymore i'm at a point where this redhead comic was so different than any other batman comic i read last like last year just because it's a black it's a black voice and that's just so important in superhero comics, guys. And that's me on my my pedestal or stand or whatever. Uh, that's comic books. I Soap love them. Box. Soapbox. Stanley would say. Excelsior. That's me. All I do is read comics. And I've been kind of sick. Sparkles? Uh, yeah, okay. So I was away. Uh, uh, being COVID safe, I, I know I mentioned, like, I hang out with Jeremy. I feel like I must responsibly say, Jeremy lives in my parents' home. Yeah. So I am hanging out with the people who live within my parents' home, which is actually a number of people. So it's my friend Lauren, Jeremy, and his fiance Pepper, and uh, my parents. 
So I have a little social bubble when I go there, but that is that is that house's social bubble. Um, so Fanny's friend Grace came over. All of us, including her, got tested just to be safe, and we all tested negative. Who cares? We're locked down for the next three weeks. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, sol- solid though. Like that's because that's that's what all of us do uh, when we meet up for stuff like that. So that's where I was uh, doing Thanksgiving with my family because um, my parents are old, and uh, just like Brandon, I want to see them. You know, like he wants to see his dad. I want to see my parents. Um, Thank you for yeah, clarifying. I can. You're welcome. Um, I did get to do a smidgen of things while I was there, um, but honestly, not much. Uh, I watched more Impractical Jokers with my father, which he really enjoyed. Uh, so that happened. There was a lot of okay. board games, a lot of them. Um, most of them, things you're familiar with, like Catan, Five Crowns, Mysterium, which I've talked about. Um, not going to spend a lot of time with that, but I will say I played for the first time the Disney villainous game. And that's really, really cool. And there is a Marvel one out now. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll make expansions for that too. That game is really... Um, we haven't, as a group, played Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's a very similar kind of setup, except you all have personal goals instead of one group goal. Uh, and so everybody has their own... is basically playing their own unique game while other people are playing unique games. And you aren't really doing much with each other except trying to be the person who wins their villain path first. Mm-hmm. And the way that that works out and the way you can kind of screw up other people or inadvertently help other people is very interesting. Um, we played Hades and Cruella and Yzma and Scar and Radigan. So we had a really wide group of villains and all with very different objectives uh and they felt different and they felt unique so that game's very impressive i really want to check out the marvel one now uh that was just my first time i got to check it out now every time i see the expansions or the the base set target i, I just look and go i want that but my make account's like no you don't not definitely de- definitely in like the post-covid time i first off i want us to play sentinels of the multiverse but i also want us to play a, a round of that or marvel yeah. villainous for sure also, uh, post COVID time, I want to play Boss Monster with all three of y'all because that game is freaking awesome. And I love that game. Nice. That's dope, man. I just want to. I just want to see you guys. So do I. Oh, uh, I didn't play it, but for my birthday because my birthday happened while I was gone. Um, up, freak, man. freak me in the in the A. Happy birthday! Right, I turned thirty um, while I was there, and uh, Megan got me a little card game called Cinephile. Um, that you have like several different rule sets for the same pack of cards for multiple different games you can play. And it's all based around like being a film dork. Uh, it's pretty cool. Well, um, you're, not a, you're not a film dork. You, but you are. So I'm going to play with you and these guys sometime. Hi, Astra. I see you back there. There you are. <laughs> um, uh I watched some, uh, I've already watched them, and I didn't realize it uh, because I just watched it passively before, but I watched a big chunk of uh, Auntie Donna stuff on YouTube. Yay! Uh, because, because we were all hanging out, and we decided to just browse through that because uh, Jeremy and Pepper have been watching the Netflix show, and so we decided to watch some YouTube exclusives. Thank you, Meg, for the merry, for the happy Merry Birthmas. Did you, did you watch the, 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 the scene where the two guys had the same tie? <laughs> no, we did not watch that one. Um, I, I can't even like 
That's the one I just remember right now. That's the one. We went through, like, because we went through, um, outside of everything's a drum, we watched uh, only only things that were exclusive to YouTube. Okay. Um, But that was a good time. Uh, And Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I need to watch that Netflix thing because I wasn't making the connection of who those guys were until I did that. I was talking talking to myself. I don't know why I started that way. But I was... I was thinking like how uh, how could I describe Antidana to someone who never seen it? I was like, well, the the first episode starts with them singing "Everything's a Drum" and then moves to their washing machine being sentient, which they kick to the curb, and then they have to find a new roommate because their washing machine was paying rent. So they find Cowdoy. That's yeah. the first five minutes. Yeah, it's if you guys if you know like Eric Andre, like like Tim and Eric, like just like completely just really dumb and again i don't mean that in a negative way just like they're not afraid to just be totally stupid um yeah. uh, uh jeremy likened them to the to the whitest kids you know yeah That's like cool. the next step up yeah. from the whitest kids you know yeah uh, i i can see that australian yeah uh the only movie besides the one we're going to talk about today that i actually ended up watching there which i thought i'd watch more movies but i just didn't we just spent a lot of time socializing because i guess covid made us feel that way um the only movie that we watched was we watched another Friday the 13th. So we watched Friday the 13th, the final chapter. That was fun. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say about it, but that was Jason fun. X. Jason X. Uh, Corey Feldman is an annoying little baby in it. Um, so that's, that's something. Uh, <laughs> I, I played a little bit more Spider-Man DLC while I was there, but not a ton, but I played a little bit cause I had some downtime when I was all by myself and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play some more Spider-Man. Um, that was fun. Uh, I spent way too long in one of Hammerhead's places, really dedicated to getting like the the total twenty guys web to a wall, total perfect dodges. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm not leaving till I do it. Uh, <laughs> and that was amazing. combat challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did it. Um, <laughs> I played a little bit of Fortnite as well because I'm trying to enjoy the the nearing the end of the marvel event uh which ends this tuesday so i tried to just get in a little bit more time with it and really soak up all the the good juices that are going on in there and that's a lot of fun galactus is a very big prominent head on the horizon uh leaning in at this point um the last few things i want to talk about is i took the time because i felt like it because i've been in kind of a dragon ball-esque it back of my mind thing. It's not a prominent thing that I'm focusing on, but like Dragon Ball has been kind of running through my head off and on mm-hmm. for a while. So I watched a, a video called the history of Dragon Ball Z uh, by super eye patch wolf who makes great analysis videos. Um, but that one. We couldn't hear you, Ryan. I love, you. I love super eye patch wolf. Yeah. He makes great stuff. Uh, uh, that one is more appropriately called um like a history of Dragon Ball Z specifically in America, because that's really what it's what it's talking about. Um, I thought that was just a super great, like, especially for our generation, I think, and the effect Dragon Ball Z had on us. I think it's just a well-done video because he's usually a little more critical and he's really upfront. He's like, I, I have a really hard time being critical about Dragon Ball Z. So this is this is not going to be a critical video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it just is. made me like it. And I realized like everybody from our generation, I think, because like when I was watching Dragon Ball Z, I was hard hard like you know it's goku oh right goku is the guy goku's the man you know like he was my he was my dude he's my idol and i realized that like almost everybody i talked to who still likes dragon ball z from that generation is like yeah but vegeta man yeah but he's the best character yeah he's the best character and he has the best arc and like super eye patch wolf kind of ends the whole conversation on that and i'm like man it's it's really everybody like you look at it they're like yeah 
Goku's great, but Vegeta, man, <laughs> that dude evolves. <laughs> so I highly recommend that video. No, funny enough, as you're talking about Vegeta, because I've been listening to um, DBZA quite a bit while I'm at work, and I'm just listening to the, the Cell Saga, and damn, Vegeta, man. Yeah, but um, then I, I know it's a different. Go to the video. original source. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, I know. Uh, for, for if you guys like Dragon Ball analysis, I brought him up on the on the show. I'm a big fan of Totally Not Mark. Um, he is yeah. currently doing One Piece videos, uh, mm-hmm. which that's fine. He can do that. Um, but uh, his Dragon Ball videos are really great. I think his his character analysis videos specifically were really great. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, yep. Uh, two other things. I bought a game that Ryan didn't mention he played, but I know he did it because then I bought it and it's Fuser. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Fuser came out um, recently. It's from the team that made Harmonix, who made Rock oh, Band. Real quickly, uh, Max says, been there for Trunks' childhood. Yes. Yeah. Not just uh, Rock Band, but Guitar Hero and yes. DJ Hero and that, like, and ma- that, that Mountasia or Disney whatever game. All those right. games. To to me, this feels like the ideas of those things kind of perfected, in it's, a sense. It's it. I can't believe how well it works. It's like very very smooth. Um, it is it is. If you guys haven't seen it, if if uh, Fuser is a DJ game where you have you have a whole track list of like thirty different songs, and you can pick like the beats, the vocals, and the guitar riffs for different songs, and you get to make your own riffs. But it actually works like you're a DJ, so you can like you can plan things and you can change the tempo and you can do like sick drops. Uh, it's it's so impressive. Like it it you can it makes you feel like a badass DJ when you're really not. But and it you makes make, and you can make really cool mixes and you get you get an ear for it if you play yeah. it long enough. Uh, it's incredibly intuitive. Um, I got it for the Switch, uh, mm. and I really really like the layout for that. Um, it feels very just like comfortable and I, I understand it. Uh, uh, so I played a little bit of that, uh, really enjoyed it. I look forward to playing more. I was happy to pick it up because it was on Black Friday sale. Did you do you know there's multiplayer and we can have freestyle battles? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, I did. baby. That's, yeah, dope. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Yes, I'm excited. Uh, also, last thing, I bought another game for the Nintendo Switch because Black Friday, and it was one I've been waiting to pick up, and I'm like, you know what? It's half off. It's time, baby. It's Episode 1 Racer. That's not what I thought it was going to be. Nope. It's, I know, but like, I was waiting for this. Uh, I thought you were going to say Hades. I yeah, no, I, I, I thought, I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to look at Hades on Black Friday. It's I still on sale. Should. It's still I, on sale. I, Maybe I will. Um, but Episode 1 Racer was on my wish list, like really high up there and it was half off. And I'm like, it's time. It's seven bucks. It's time. Um, I really wanted to play that because I played that game a lot when it was on the computer a lot. And here's the thing. Started playing it on the switch. And I realized because I had a memory of like only a handful of races. Oh, I want to say maybe six or seven. And that's because as a kid, I did not understand the concept of upgrading the pod racer that's built into the game. So at a certain point, the races become undoable. And I got frustrated and I quit playing those races. So I only stuck to repeating the races I could do. And I never advanced through that part of the game. Now as an adult who understands these things, I'm like going to it and I'm like, oh, there's like 20 races I've never played. Oh. This is incredible. It's like having the game all brand new. And it looks yeah. great for old 
90s game yeah. <laughs> ported onto the Nintendo Switch, but it looks really good, to be honest. Uh, and honest, playing in the Joy-Cons feels just as good as I thought it would, because I used to play that game with a joystick. Uh, mm. So playing it now with the Joy-Cons just feels like, man, this is pod racing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, were, were, did you, were you Anakin's pod? Did you actually do like the thing? pod of okay. course i'm anakin's pod yeah oh yeah. does oh does the do you hold the wiimotes or the joy cons like that like no like i wish i ah. wish that was the case no you i mean you could there's nothing stopping you yeah <laughs> it you seems that if you, you can heard. you can hold the controls like that and still keep track of it more power to you i'm you just saying they've use- made They've made games where you where you do stuff with side controllers. I'm saying you could have they could have worked something out. I think I think if maybe they were making the game from the ground up, then sure. But because it's just a port onto multiple systems, not just the Switch. Wait for the remaster. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I was really happy to play it. Um, just watching the weird planets that you get to go to, and like the the equivalents of Jabba the Hutt, who's the host of the race, and just these different weird aliens. I forgot how cool that is. Uh, that game's a lot of fun. Yeah, I had that on the N sixty four. I should, I would like, I would like to revisit that game again. But I'm pretty sure I had them on the Game Boy. On the Game Boy, no, because when uh, Ryan mentioned Hades, and because I know he's talked a lot about Hades the past few weeks, um, I watched a YouTube video of this um, YouTuber I like, and he was like going through like the Game Awards because the Game Awards did nominations uh, recently. Hades is nominated for a lot of awards, and looking at screenshots of Hades, I'm like, damn, that looks really freaking cool. I'll, I'll, I'll also just real quickly highlight there's one thing I didn't do that I'm sure everybody else did, which I still haven't seen The Mandalorian. Listen, oh. listen, Sparks. Don't tell Sparks, me Sparks. anything. Listen, Sparks, yeah. how late are you staying up tonight? Not late enough because I'm not watching it without Megan. Okay. Or if I was okay. gonna watch it without Megan, I would have already done it. All right. You know, you know what? Oh, Here's uh, the reason. Let me explain to you the reason too. Uh because my parents watched Mandalorian, but they had only watched the first episode of the second season. Okay. So okay. we were like, okay, well, we'll make the time and we'll sit down and we'll all watch. That didn't happen. So because that didn't happen, there really was never a good opportunity while they were around and awake and we were awake for Megan and I to watch the fifth episode. And thus it never happened. So Please don't watch it without it. me. Don't watch it without me. I want we'll to be get, there. We'll get better. Sick boy. I could see. I could watch. No, that's what I mean. Tomorrow, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I want to be there with you when that happens. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll probably watch it tomorrow. But I I am one of the lone nerds who has not gotten to see Ahsoka Tano's uh, appearance. That's okay. I, I haven't seen it either. I just wanted to sit with the cool t- with the cool kids. <laughs> oh, have you really not? No, I've seen it. Oh, you piece of poop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Good. Yeah, I'm done. All right, let's move on to our bread and butter. B and B's. And here's your bread. And your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. Check into the B and B. We've got some sad news. Yeah, this is sad. This kind of came in under the wire. Was it a stupid bit? All right, Dave Prouse. I hope I'm saying that, na- that name correctly. Uh, best known as the body of Darth Vader. Uh, obviously, yep. that's James Earl Jones, the voice. Uh, he was Darth Vader in all three of the Star Wars films, even after he realized that uh, James Earl Jones would be voicing him. Um, some more cool things I found out about this guy, though. He was apparently Christopher Reeve's trainer on the first Superman movies um, before he was an actor. 
Um, he was Frankenstein's monster in the Hammer film series, 1970s horror Frankenstein and 1974's Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, which is actually a role he reprised from playing it on Casino Royale, the parody James Bond movie. Well, weird. Yeah. <laughs> he passed away this week at the age of 85. Yeah, um, it, it's sad because a lot of people I feel when they say Darth Vader they always point to James Earl Jones like if they hear oh James is coming back to the boys oh yeah we're getting Darth Vader's like because the man acted out the scenes mm-hmm. I mean yes James Earl he gave, Jones he gave boy, Vader his physicality yeah he gave yeah. Vader the body language the imposing force that like when like when you see Vader his silhouette in um, Cloud City right before they're about to start and he says you are not a Jedi yet that's like I mean, I know he's just still saying it, but it's like his presence is intimidating as hell. Stunt stunt actors, um, they're important. Like, you know, yeah. like any any like like think of all like like Friday the thirteenth, like all those slashers, like the, those those stunt actors give those characters performances too, even if they're not like the actual voice or whatever. Um mm-hmm. yeah, like the he played the greatest villain in movie history. Like that's 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 how cool is that? Like, like how many it's awesome. Have all of us just stop someone that we didn't necessarily like and wanted to do this? I mean, I don't, I don't condone murder of any sort, man. So definitely no, not. No, I'm talking about New Hope, where he, where he's like, I find you like a faith. Disturbed. Oh, just like just a little choke, like a daddy choke. Just, just a little, not, not like full apology accepted, Captain Nita. Not, 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 not Empire Strikes Back full, as in like just like just enough. Hot we're we're learning a lot about your bondage interests this night, Ben. Um, plugs and gags. Plugs and gags. Uh, this oh, was. This morning was the morning when I I realized that David Prowse was uh Dave Prowse was in, um, uh Clockwork Orange. Mm. He's the man in the speedo who picks up Alex when he's been beaten in the home of the man with the wheelchair. Um, and I was like, oh wow, I've really never made that connection. So that's cool. Uh, a, he was a, a big man. He was a big man. Yeah. Big man. Um, big man. Big legacy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, due to my promise to Sparks, we will talk about Ray Fisher every time his name comes up. Um, oh, Sparks. I, pro- I promised. I promised you. Oh, I promise. I heard problems. I'm like, what oh, do I, I do? I also heard problems. So I'm I like, heard what? problems. <laughs> I'm like, what? Got it. Got it. Promise. Got yes. It. Well, as we know, Joss Whedon, I don't talk about this on the news, but uh, I don't think it was just relevant. Joss Whedon has stepped down from his new HBO show, The Nevers. I don't know. He ha- did we talk about this? Oh no, we, he. I didn't see the reason. Oh, okay, gotcha. There was nothing. It was just I'm doing a show called The Nevers. Gotcha. Now I'm not. Now I'm not. Now he's not. Ray Fisher tweeted after the news. I have no intention of allowing Joss. Man, Ray Fisher came for the throat. Uh, I have no intention of allowing Joss Whedon to use the old Hollywood tactic of ex- of exiting stepping down or walking away to cover for his terrible behavior. Warner media's JL investigation has been in full swing for over three weeks. Now this is undoubtedly a result a over E. Hmm. Is it? I want to be on his side. I don't, I don't love the, the way this is swinging. Some of the swings out in public, like some of the stuff we talked about the last time about, uh, you know, targeting that, like he'd change the the, the color color of yeah. in in post and i'm like that's mm-hmm. just that's just outlandish i i can't I, at a certain point you're hurting your argument and i and i feel like it's if the investigation truly is in swing and ray fisher is confident about it i'm like you gotta you gotta kind of let this 
this happen now. Yeah. You know, like most people are on your side if there is something wrong, like the, the social media is pretty much on your side. Yeah. I don't think you need to rile them up in this kind of, I hate to say it. I really do, but it, it feels, it feels very Trumpian uh, in the way that he's creating a hunt after, after people who he's against. And, uh, and I don't want yeah. it to feel that way, but that's, that's sometimes how it feels with this kind of stuff where I'm like, this isn't, uh, this isn't the way to do this argument. Yeah. I understand that like, it's a problem if if all of this is happening and you have to call attention to it in your best way but but attention's been called people are watching paying attention to what's going to go on there uh i don't know that like creating stories about things that aren't aren't given in fact is a great way to go about this it it seems like yeah like when this was when all this was like first announced and like yeah we're gonna like be investigating all this stuff and like i was mistreated and like we're all behind that but like not every single thing a person does is an attack. Like maybe he actually just left the project because that's happened in Hollywood literally every single day. Like right. th- this one feels like it just feels like he is going for the jugular. Um, which going, I mean, he's, he's, he's out for blood. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. Like, but I guess, yeah. but when you, when every single week there's like a, there's like a false report, it kind of makes you start to look bad and that kind of sucks because he's actually trying to do something good. But he's he's just so passionate. He's not looking at the right things. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is unfortunate. Um. Okay. Down with Joss Whedon. Okay. Um. So <laughs> we got some DC Comics news. Two new comic books from DC Comics are coming. Uh, DC is releasing Challenge of the Super Sons, which will be a sequel to Adventure of the Super Sons, which is itself is an extension of Super Sons. Uh, Peter J. Tomasi is returning to write Jonathan Kent and. Damian Wayne, uh, with Max uh, Raynor on art. This will be a digital first, however, running for 14 chapters. Afterwards, we'll probably be collected in the seven-issue miniseries and then a trade. Exactly like Injustice is doing right now. And is uh, yeah. is Jonathan Kent uh, a, a boy again? Yep, he looks is, like... This is, the, this is the time period before Jonathan Kent... Whatever. This is mid rebirth, not post Bendis rebirth. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, it's it's yeah. It's what yeah. we it's it's what we want. It's just it's, it's what we want. Being, it's what it's yeah. not. It's not bend out of shape. Yeah. Go. You get back in the car and you drive back home. <laughs> <laughs> I am home. This is great. This is great. Like obviously, yeah. uh, I I it's getting it's getting a physical print, so I'm not mad if it because if it was digital for only, I'd be like, give it to the people. But like. The fact that it's getting it's getting a book. Uh, that book's dope. People love that book. People love those kids. People love those kids, not those teenagers. So it's, miss, it's nice. I really miss John Kent as a ten year old. I really people do. Love, uh, people love Tomasi writing them. So I'm yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I as I am now a broken record because of I still don't mm-hmm. agree with the decision to make John Kent a seventeen year old. Um, I'm right. I, I'm right there with you on that one, my friend. Too. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I, I think it really limited. Uh, like erase a lot of the, you know, John Kent growing up in real time potential that you had there. And that was a bummer. I mean, part of me gets why you, why you aged John Kent out to put him on the Legion of Superheroes because you were bringing him back. I don't. But, but at the same time, it's like, let the two Superboys be together. Let them learn from each other. That would have been, how cool would have been for half like young Jonathan Kent and Connor Kent go on adventure together. That would be I'm not against, I'm not against aging him up. You don't do it so quickly an immediate after successful series of the two kids being teenagers. Yeah. Like it goes from zero to a hundred. It's not like we got this like developing story of why he grew up. He just grew up. 
like I just he just came back home and like I'm an adult now. I'm like, but where what? But no. And even no. the 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 story of how that happened, like Ben was like, it all makes sense. Don't worry, it's all part of the plan. I don't hate this character. I love this character. And you're like, okay, well this was stupid though. Yeah, you it's... just wrote a stupid comic book about a stupid thing that you did. I'm not saying he's he's fantastic for slotting it or anything, but <laughs> but I'm not not saying it. <laughs> but I'm not not saying it. <laughs> Um, anyway, so this story, this story, uh, picking up where Tomasi's sensational Super Sons uh, and Adventures of Super Sons left off, Damien and John, uh, the assassin trained son of Batman and the boy next door, son of Superman, tackle their greatest threat ever, the deadly Doom Scroll. Uh, whoever has their name inscribed on this ancient and magical parchment will be killed post haste. Death note. Now, yeah, now the evil powers that be have written the names of the Justice League on the deadly dock. And Superboy and Robin are the only. Oh, he's coming back. He just left. <laughs> he's gone. Sparks was staying very still. I was like, something wrong with his mind. He secretly hates the Super Sons. Uh, should I? All right. I'll finish this. Just keep going. Um, yeah. And Super Superboy and Robin are the only ones who can save their dads from certain doom. The, the catch. No one can know it was the boys who saved them. Oh, December 14th. No one can know it was the boys who saved them. Yeah. So it's like a secret? Okay. Yeah, they're gonna save their their pops from dying. I like it. Their pops. I'm sure, is. I'm sure Sparks loves it. Can't wait for him to tell us about it. Can someone text him? Hey, Sparks! <laughs> <laughs> call down. Can you call down him, please? Yeah. You can try to sleep right now. Probably. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Oh, working on it. He says. There you go. All right, Batman Earth One Volume Three is coming. This surprised me because I Finally. saw it on Brandon's Instagram. I was like, what? Oh, no, it was on the fake nerd Instagram. I was like, doesn't matter what Instagram it was on. Um, we, uh, we finally know when uh, Batman Earth One Volume Three is coming. Potentially the final part of the of the Jeff Johns Gary Frank run. Um, the last. This is now six years after the second volume. I'm imagining this is the last one. <laughs> he probably yeah. just want to imagine. Uh, and apparently, supposedly they've been working on it since the last one came out. So like. But they also right, maybe working, you. also working on a huge twelve issue. Clock, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was wild hearing all these things. Like, is this book coming? Is it whatever? Anyway, uh, where the last book ended, I'm very excited to see the the third book coming. I'm, I really like this book series. Um, this says as volume three opens, a heavily armored gang of criminals has begun terrorizing Gotham City. To Batman's horror, they seem to be led. By Harvey Dent. Despite Dent's apparent death in Volume 2, however, given the way Volume 2 ended, it seems safe to assume Harvey's sister Jessica is the gang's actual ringleader. Um, so, dealing with duality there. Because remember, at the end of that, uh, what's, what's her name? Jessica Dent has Harvey's personality in her. Mm -hmm. Does she also have like the, the, the scar? And now she's scarred like Harvey was in normal. Yeah. That's one of the things I actually really dig about the new, like, okay, now the new 52, the Earth Ones. Yeah. Because in Superman, it's not um, Alexand Alexander, it's Alexandra. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also Alexander. It's Alexander and Alexandra. Well, he dies at the end of book three, and then yeah. his wife is the one who takes out the mantle of Lex Luthor. Doesn't he die at the end of book one? No, he dies no, at the book end of book two. Three. Book two? Oh, yeah, no, book two. Or was it book three? Hi, Sparks. Hey, hey. Sparks. When did uh um in in Superman Earth One what book was it when um Alex, when Lex Luthor dies and his wife becomes Lex Luthor? Is it book two three or book two? Uh, I genuinely don't remember. 
Never mind. It's definitely, it's definitely not one. It's definitely, it's not, definitely one. not one. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure it's three because that's the one with Zod. But that I, I think will, it's three. Yeah, I will confirm so, that later. Continue, Brandon. So they they the talk. Gary Frank and Jeff Johns have talked about uh, how they have a plan to bring in the Joker in this in this series of Earth One novels, graphic novels. Um, it doesn't sound like book three will be that, which leads which leads a lot of people to think they think, to think that there is a fourth volume on the way. Um, but this could also just be the end because Earth One books tend to end at three. So yeah, yeah, Superman, and he's, and he's launching an, an, an image book with Gary Frank. Yeah. Yeah, so unless you're double teaming and gonna get delayed every six months again, I doubt I focus on one thing. Yeah. Green Lantern came out with volume two, right? Yeah, it has not it, uh, volume three is coming, but we don't know when. Did okay, because I, I it's been a while. I need to go get volume I need to get volume three or no women, volume two of Green Lantern. And of course we're probably never gonna get volume three of Teen Titans because I don't hey, think Mag, are you writing this down? This is the yeah. copying list. <laughs> for Christmas. Um, no, Teen Titans Earth One was conceived as a two-part volume series and not a three-part okay. one. Okay. Oh. Okay. Cool, cool shit. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Comics had a lot of cancellations this week. Whoop whoop. Uh, books that were solicited um, before the pandemic have been officially canceled. Will not be coming out. Uh, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker that Joey Hauser was working on the adaptation. No loss there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Morbius, which I guess was Vita Ayala. Yeah, I was reading that book. That book's fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, amazing, and Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle, which was going to be about the Daily Bugle. That one, then, kinda, that one stinks, because that one is like a cool yeah. like, Marvel's perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Dark Agnes, the other book based off the Conan creator. That one, I'm not shocked about that one at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. So Yeah, uh, I read... Book. I read the first volume, or at least like the first four issues of Morbius, and I dropped it because I wanted to give it a chance because it was Vita, and it was fine. It was fine book, but there was a lot of other books I'd rather read, and I gave it those four issues. And uh, I guess everyone else agreed. It's goodbye, Morbius. Yeah. All right. Bye, but Morbius. Hope you find some blood. The big news. The big news was that now that Ten of Swords is over, um, every X Men creator put up the rain is coming. Yeah. So after Ten of Swords, the Dawn of X is over and the Reign of X has begun. They they released that image that is on Ryan's background uh, as a tease for it, which shows so many enticing images. You got the Shadow King and you got Arcade. And oh my God, is that Nimrod? Oh my God, is that Archangel Monet? Why is Quinn Choir exploding? Welcome to the Hellfire Gala. Uh, Storm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh dang. You can see Bay in the background. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Bay is like, she's in canon, baby. She's here. Oh yeah. Wait, uh, is it Nimrod? What? Could no, be next to Shadow King. Oh yeah, it's Shadow King. Yeah. No, no, no right. it's next to Shadow King. It looks like an. Oh, you're like, is that Nimrod? It's like that doesn't yes. look like Nimrod, but it could be Nimrod. And there's know. been many different incarnations of Nimrod over the last 50, 60 years of X Men. For fifty. I'm sorry, I only know the one. Forgive um, me in my ignorance. The thing that I'm most looking forward to in the Reign of X is finding out what happened to X twenty three in that vault. Oh, issue 18 baby. issue 18 baby yeah all right the reign of x is upon us says cb sabolsky and here's a sneak peek of what it will bring like dawn of x and ten of swords before it reign of x has been meticulously crafted by jonathan hickman and all the other uncanny x writers of our day and we can't wait for you to see what they're what they've cooked up in the meantime eagle-eyed readers should take a close look 
at this magnificent montage of mutants drawn by Ma- Mahmud Asrar. Mahmud Asrar. Yeah. Um, everything on this image was included for a reason. We'll have heart-pounding payoffs in the near future for our favorite Krakoans. After the dawn comes the rain, and what a rain it will be. So, obviously, no X of Swords spoilers. Um, big, big changes, y'all. Big changes. Um, and the rain, the, we are, the, rain, the rain is here, my guys. Uh, I cannot wait to talk about X-Men next week. And it's going to be raining all over my face every week after that. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so we've got Hawks, Pox, Docs, and Rocks. Yeah, so there's already people are saying that the very final one will be the fall of X, so it could be they're Fox. going to Fox. But also, like, the champions of X or, like, the colonels of X, you know, uh, we're trying to think of something for C's. We'll figure it out. Let's not. <laughs> um, uh, captains oh, okay. of X? Oh, they, can't do be- they can't do box beginning of X. What, a- what about yeah. lunch of X for locks? Locks of love, yeah. Legend um, of X. I I hope we're in this for many 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 more years to come. So I can't it, wait for the next event and then the event after that and then the event after that. I want all these uh, ox abbreviations. Yes. Um. It looks like with the way that everything is structured, uh, Jonathan Hickman said he had a five year plan, and this will be going into the third. This is like the, basically the third year, which will be the rain. So mm-hmm. this will be the height of of the X Men, which probably does mean the the two other arcs will be the downfall. Every future we saw happen with Krakoa falling. Guys, there's, I'm telling you, there's more, there's stuff in Exo Swords you haven't read yet. And I'm just like, God, they're so good. Just thank you, Hickman. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Hickman. I love you. It's so good. Oh my God. Thank you, Daddy. Rain all that stuff on my face. You heard it here first. (laughs) I cannot wait to have cons again. So I can, if Jonathan Hickman comes out to a convention now, you'll never meet him. He also doesn't do cons. Never mind. All right, moving on. Fantastic Beast news, guys. We've heard rumors of this happening. It is now official. Warner Bros. made it official. Mads Mikkelsen is, in fact, going to play Skylar Grindelwald in Fantastic Beast 3. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, Mads. I, I'm going to have to hear some real good stuff about that movie to get yeah. that money. But now I have to watch it when it becomes available on home video. Yeah. Listen... If I could see it in theaters for four dollars, I'm just saying four dollars. I can do that. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when the COVID ends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll see if that um, theater still does that when the COVID ends. Oh. oh no! It just becomes a regular movie theater. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there you go. So fantastic. What is it? Fantastic Beasts and the. I, does it have a title actually? No, I'm trying to think of a stupid one. And the Whatever. recasting of Grindelwald. Recasting can have two meanings because casting spells is a thing. Oh shit! I hope that I hope it's not. I hope it's not addressed. I hope it's just now. He's just Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. I hope it's. I hope it's really stupid, and I hope it's like Fantastic Beasts and the Triple Dumbledores or something. God, the three Dumbledores. Yeah, and uh, uh, you get like you. You finally get Jared Harris to play the fake Dumbledore. And then you shoot no, him in like the head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Obi-Wan news. We got some some news from the Illuminati. Uh, there was really not a whole lot I could put on the news this week. So No, it's okay. I love I like fake news. 
This ended up there. Naomi Scott is apparently in the running to play the lead female role in the new Obi-Wan TV series. I love her. Me too. She's way younger than Obi-Wan Kenobi. I doubt it's a love interest, but yes, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I hope that. Yeah. No, no, she's great. Like uh, Aladdin Power Rangers. I love that. I love that yeah. girl. Yeah. I love her too. Charlie's Angels. Oh, I didn't see it. Um, also in the running is Thuso Mibedu. Sorry. And Anula Navlikar, which are both relatively unknown actors, but wow. they're all up at the same part. Wow, that Obi-Wan show, that's happening. God, man, Star mm-hmm. Wars is cool, you guys. You know what? You know, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 started filming. Uh, wow. wow. Yeah, before Star Trek Picard Season 2, which was renewed way before. And I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, that's because the whole cast of Star Trek Picard is, is high risk for COVID. Yeah, they're all... Whereas, whereas not the whole cast for Discovery is. Everyone has like a walker <laughs> on set. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's why that's taken a while. Oh, by the way, Discovery uh, had a pretty good episode this week. Uh, we had the third part to a two-parter series from uh, from the Next Generation. Um, the Next Generation had a crossover with Spock. Spock showed up uh, to kind of like reunify the Romulan and Vulcan people because they came from the same ancestors. That was like his whole deal, what he wanted his legacy to be. And so he passed away. If you saw Star Trek Nine. But now we are in the 32nd century and his dream has become a reality and Romulus and Vulcan are one species. Uh, they live on the planet Navarre, which used to be Vulcan. Um, and so there's some good stuff with like Michael Burnham, who is Spock's sister, um, adopted sister, like seeing the fruit of Spock's labor uh, before his death, like come to fruition, even if it's centuries later. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good episode, honestly. People... Cool to see. People so, seem yeah. to like this season of Discovery, from what I yeah. from what I heard. Yeah, it is almost a thousand percent because Odette Fair is a sexy silver fox. Oh <laughs> damn, damn! I saw that going around. And I'm like, oh shit! I have to watch right? Discovery now Man. for reasons. We got Peter Gallagher and Grace and Frankie now. Odette Fair and Star Trek. Oh my god! <sighs> yeah. Now I want a Peter Gallagher and Odette Fair project. <laughs> <Give it> yes. <laughs> Call it the Silver Foxes. I don't. Oh give my a god! Shit. I love it. Um, the only thing about Discovery that I don't really like is I don't like magic technology, which is just like the nacelles float of separate. The, the nacelles are no longer attached to the hull of the ship. Like, how does that even work? Magnets. Um, and yeah, anyway, it's, it's, it's good. The season I'm, I, I'm enjoying it. I, I typed in Peter Gallagher, Oded Fair, and unfortunately they have not worked together. <laughs> okay. But look up Oded Fair and Thresher Discovery. Okay. I want to see that sexy guy. Okay. Hold on. You guys talk. I got to find it. Hold on. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Discovery is a Discovery is a, a fun show this season. Uh, I, I the the I was vamping again because I forgot what I wanted to say. So anyway, what I wanted to say was the in the show. All <laughs> it's not gonna work. There he is. It's not gonna work. There he is. It's not gonna work. He does. Uh, he's got a, he's got a good beard. He's got some. Yeah. There's that guy. Yeah, it's looking better. It's looking a little bit better. There he is. There he yeah. is. All right. Well, good a- job. You know that that's that's beard goals right there. Um, so the first in Star Trek: The Next Generation, when uh, Spock showed up, it was called it was an episode two part called Unification Part One and Unification Part Three. This episode that just aired on sorry Part Two. Um, this episode that just aired on Star Trek: Discovery was called Unification Part Three, and I thought that was cool. That is cool. I'm sorry, Grant. The way you phrased that, I thought they went the underpants gnome route from South Park, where it's like Part One, get underpants. Step two, 
Part three. Yeah. Process. Like, <laughs> right. just get part two. <laughs> yes. All right. Now uh, that we've ta- talking about the Odin Fair thing, just real quick, made me remember. I, I know we've talked about, but I don't remember if we talked about it on air. But I just that that meme going around where it's like my sexual orientation is the, the first mummy. Brendan Fraser mummy movie. The whole cast, and I'm like, you're right. All of them. Every yeah. single one. That's my sexual orientation. You're correct. <laughs> bunch of bunch of honeys. All, every single one of them. All of them. Benny. That's mine. <laughs> Benny. Benny has his place. Listen, Benny everybody has loves, his place. And it's on the wrong me. side of the my river. river. <laughs> With all the horses. Uh, you know when he does the thing, when he does the horse, horse, Yeah. I always thought that was a real, that was a real language he was speaking, but the subtitles were like, speaking gibberish. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. Because clearly that's like, a, that's like a real religious symbol, and it's just like, hobbity, hobbity, yeah, hobbity. Yeah, but he's the stupid character who would definitely like not know how to do it. God, I need to watch that movie again. That is a good movie. All it's right, still, anyway. Is that still on Netflix or is it on Peacock? I am not looking. Uh, <laughs> time to talk about The Boss Baby 2, Family Business. Oh, can we not? Oh, is that really all the news? That's it. There we can go. We- all right, we're going to talk about Boss Baby for 45 minutes. I don't want to. <laughs> I will say, I, I will say it is bold of them to make a sequel that's like 30 years later about the Boss Baby being grown up. That's kind of dumb, and I like it. It still looks really, really bad. Yeah. It still looks like talking baby. Like, baby uh, Core has given us has given us baby-making formula. You could be a baby for 48 hours. Why would you... No, it's just because Alec Baldwin was the best baby. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how we're still at a point where like major animation films are made for children in a way that still talks like just garbage at them. Yeah, like it's it's not it's not engaging with them on a real. It's just like flashy dumbness. Here's flashy dumbness, and I'm like, wow, we're still here. Who wow. who makes this? DreamWorks. 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 Okay. They had a talk good about run. a studio that's hit or miss. No, for real. Like, man, like their hits are like Pixar level, and their their losses are just like the bottom of the barrel. What it, what is so strange? When they whiff, to me, they whiff bad. Mm-hmm. What is so strange to me, like the same company could put out Boss Baby, but also put out How to Train Your Dragon Two, Kung Fu Panda Two, Mega Mind. Yeah. Uh, like Crudes. the Crudes, the Shrek, most of the Shrek films. Uh, yeah. Half the Shrek two. films. <laughs> Wild. Anyway. It's, it's twice the product, but half the quality. Because what's so interesting is that it's like, yeah, okay, How to Train Your Dragon and Kung Fu Panda are really good movies. I love How to Train Your Dragon 1. How to Train Your Dragon 2 and Kung Fu Panda 2 are awesome movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even nominated for an Oscar Boss Baby? No. It was. Oh, I think actually it was. I think because that was a, maybe a bad year. I'm sure it was. It was. It was, sure it was. It was the best, best animated feature film, which it lost, if I remember correctly, because oh. I'm Boss Baby won. <laughs> was, that, was that Toy Story? Was that Toy Story year? No. No, Toy, Toy Story 3 went up against uh, How to Train a Dragon 1, and I was actually pissed that, that, that How to Train a Dragon lost. I don't even remember. I never saw Boss Baby. I mean, Toy Story 3 was really good. It's just a shame they came out the same year. Yeah. Anyway, Happy uh, Feet beat uh, Happy Feet. Happy Feet beat Cars. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, I, I, when I saw the first trailer for the first Boss Baby, I said that is a product that's definitely not for me. 
at all. Mm-hmm. I don't. I saw this one and I was like, this is aggressively not for me. <laughs> this yeah. is like, this is like stupid on a level. This but, is this is borderline watching. You know what this is? This is borderline watching like a really talented, well-financed production company for animation making something that's barely a hair above that stupid wolf movie that um, Alpha that, uh, Alpha. that Jeremy Alpha Renner America. did. Alpha. No, the one that the, oh. the one that Jeremy Renner did, where he's like, "Did you hear that? It's like the the Earth farted, uh, or whatever oh. he said, and that was really oh. stupid." Or or I've got another one for you. Or the Norm of the North movie yes uh with rob schneider uh it is it is like a hair above that just barely you didn't like it when alec baldwin walked around and money just flying around him arctic dogs yep that's the one this is like just just a notch above it and i'm like this is this is like a a real big animation studio there should be something more here right (laughs) Mag, no. don't even worry about it, bro. It's not worth your time. They Just- have Mag. You'll find out soon <laughs> because we're we're blagging. Um, I forgot. Whatever. All right, that's enough of the Boss Baby. Boss Baby two. Okay. Did it have Did it have an animated series? Yes, that's what and I was gonna say. It has a Netflix animated series. Has multiple. Last I saw. But we really got the second one series, multiple seasons. Nobody, nobody pumps out cheap animated shows based off their films like DreamWorks, let me tell you. Yeah, I'm going to be real. I didn't finish the trailer. The second... I, I, Jeff, I, don't, I don't blame you. second Jeff Goldblum popped up, he started talking, I was like, oh, Jeff, why? I just... Hey, that's uh, pretty uh, late in the trailer. You made it through a lot. Yeah, yeah but I, <laughs> I still collect to know. Like, the only part I liked was, like, the brothers were still fighting, and uh, and then, like, the... and like Up until the daughter, the youngest daughter... Starts talking, and they're like, she can talk. It's like, okay, nope. These are uh, these All are right. the movies that still make it so that, like, in civilized conversation, you have to like be like, it's an animated movie. No, no, no. Like, like for everybody, not just for kids. And you still have to put that qualifier on because of shit like this. <laughs> Apparently, Mag just said, uh, "Rather watch Captain Underpants." I heard that movie was good. I heard, I, also, I heard that as well. I did too. I grew up with that and I never watched it. Maybe yeah, I should give it a chance. I need to give it a watch because I actually wanted a Captain Underpants movie when I was young and I was waiting for one. And I got, I got, finally got one. Well, Cap- into my 20s. Captain Ta-da. Underpants, the uh, the main feature of your scholastic book fair at school. Oh, dude. The, the three the page yeah. turns? Oh, yeah. That's the best. Oh, I used oh, to make my yeah. own. Or, or when you actually had to write down, is like I yelled this so loud and got in trouble, and they would send you a care package full of like fun little goodies. We did that once; it was awesome. The, my final note on Captain Underpants: uh, they absolutely taught me how to rearrange letters on like churches and places. Because I, I did, I did that a lot as a kid. You guys, I was a, <laughs> I was a prankster. Oh boy, um, uh, Captain Underpants long because for their homemade comic books, and I loved that. Okay, that'll do it for the news. That'll do um, it. All right, we guess we got to talk about the movie now. So full it's time spoilers. To come away into this review. Full spoilers for the movie Come Away. If you've not heard of it, don't worry. Uh, we'll tell you what it's about right now. Uh, this is the Peter Pan Alice Wonderland origin crossover movie with Angelina Jolie, David Oyelowo. Um, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it anymore, but I get what you're saying. So go ahead. But it's not uh, wrong. So full spoilers. Yeah. So let's move yeah. into it. Uh, Ben, what did you think? 
The potential. Ryan, what'd you think? <laughs> the potential. The result. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at the, the the minute counter this entire movie for when things happened, how quickly they happened, because I was flabbergasted by some of the choices in this movie. And for the first five minutes, I was into it. The first five minutes, when the kids were were doing the imagination stuff. And like they're imagining having a war, and like they're they're the piece of wood becomes a bow and arrow. I was really into that. That's that's the type of imagination stuff you don't get to see in film. But then the rest of the movie happens, and it's really dramatic when I don't think it needs to be. I think it's tonally all over the place. I think most of the acting is kind of bad, and I think Angelina Jolie is wholly wasted. I kind of don't like this movie, you guys. Sparks, definitely not in that far of the negative at all. Uh... I don't. I don't feel like most of the acting was bad. I think um, the kids were bad. I think one kid. Was I think bad. one of and the I think, kids was bad. And I think the, the other two were actually all right. Um, the the older kid, right? The taller kid. He yeah, was the bad the one. one who dies, yeah. David. He's, oh my god. That. Uh, okay. Like we'll get into it. I, I'll hold off. Um, uh, I don't think that the acting was bad. I think that uh, the script gets. I thought the movie was going to be something else when it started. It shifts tones. I kind of followed it, and I'm like, okay, it's going to be like this. I can accept this. I can get into this. And then the third act decided to change back to the thing that I initially thought it was going to be, but it has done so after I have now been deeply steeped in a different type of movie, and I'm like, wait a minute. I was prepared for a different ending. Um and that really throws me. And more than anything, like I actually found it. I found it comfortable. I found it good. I don't, however, find it incredibly recommendable. Uh, and and I don't find it memorable. And I wish uh, I wish it had been better. But I'm not not a hundred percent against it. So I was hoping when I was watching may this. I, yeah, I, may I say my initial thoughts real quick? Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, I was pretty bored. I did not have a good time watching this. I felt it was paced, not just totally inconsistent, but paced awfully. For an hour I, and a half, it feels like a two and a half hour film. I I I agree. I agree. Uh, but you know what? Look, it it's okay. I I I have to I have to applaud like what the movie's trying to do. Um because I do think I think it's shot really well. I think it looks pretty good. And I like the the central idea of crossing over these two different stories and making them weave together, I'm not against. But again, I find the execution, especially of so many of the side characters, to be just fully wasted. Fully wasted in every capacity. Uh, I don't think the crossover works. I, I, I find it baffling at times. It's like they had to do it for no reason. I'm like, you didn't have to make this part to crossover. Some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. Like, I found it just if, messy. If I may real quick. I ultimately feel like it's a Peter Pan origin story that said, what if Alice was, was also imagined in it, but not, but not 100% like the Alice you think. Yeah. 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 I kind of had, I kind of had an issue with the, with the crossover thing because whenever they had the Alice in Wonderland stuff, it just felt like it didn't belong. It felt shoehorned. Yeah, but the Peter Pan stuff, it like Spark said, it does feel like it's a Peter Pan thing. I do want to point out real quickly, and Ben, I'm going I'm going to pass to you real quickly. Um, the director of this film has only directed three films, and this is one of them. 
And I want to point that point that out because I think that's awful. The fact that there are so many direct, so many female directors uh, that have very very long gaps between movies they direct. Mm-hmm. Um, the first movie she directed was The Prince of Egypt. Oh. The yep. second one was Brave. Mm. What? So th- that's that's 1998, 2012. Yeah. And she didn't do a movie. And then the, then 2012, 2020 would come away. Yep. I think that sucks. That does suck. Regardless I, of the movie, yeah, that's. I agree. Yeah, that's always a bummer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Ben, you wanted to say something? Uh, she's definitely two for three. Um, but I was really hoping for like a Wizard of Oz sort of thing in this movie, whereas Alice and Peter get whisked away to like Neverland or Wonderland, and then they're it's kind of so like when you meet the aunt for the first time, she's the Red Queen, she's the Queen of Hearts, and then you see her mom. But then sometimes Angelina Jolie is the Queen of Hearts. Well, or the White Queen, technically, in the book, it's because both of them are, yeah, cause, but she does say off of their head and yada, yada, yada. But it's like, oh, you get so, like, when you meet the the grandfather, I know that's way in later movies, like, he's the Mad Hatter, and the uncle is going to be Captain Hook. I was like, oh, this could have been great. And then when it's like, oh, it's just their imagination, maybe this is, they become the writers of the story. I don't know. I kind of didn't really- want it to be the imagination, though. I kind of wanted it to be, like, they were creating a fantasy land in front of them yeah. like that, yeah. that was just coming true but the thing that really gets me that grinds my gears is that the very end of the movie it's like oh neverland is real peter gets whisked away it's like what yes. yeah what is bullshit? <laughs> yeah you imagine like when he's fighting with his because own- because if it's not if it is if it is not if, if neverland is not real then when Wendy is stolen from her mother's window, that is that that moment plays very differently. It turns into a much different movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's, that's uh, that's my problem with this movie, no, man. It's like you could have had a, such a fantastical world. You could have such a fantastical thing, like the Lost Boys. When we see him running through the streets of London, or when they're on the way to the pawn shop, it's like, okay, cool. These are lost. These are like the representation of the Lost Boys. But then Lost Boys comes out of the freaking tree. It's I. Like, I didn't like the lo- I didn't like the Lost Boys. I thought it was the more I think about this movie, the more I dislike it because I just feel like all of these other elements they're not used uh, they're not used well at all. No, they're not. So I I want to put forth that I tried to find out and there's nowhere that I can because this movie's not big enough to be talked about enough in this capacity. But I feel like the beginning and ending were not originally part of the concept of this movie with the with Alice grown up. I yeah. feel like it's oh, yeah. horned in to incorporate the darling stuff. And oh, I, I hate feel it. like the story without those two things is pretty good. Yeah. It really is the push into the darling stuff that makes me like really unhappy with the ending. Like if you don't have that, I'm much more content with what this movie is overall, because when the movie decides, I don't think it executes all these ideas well. But when the movie decides this is going to be an exploration of a family from different perspectives with grief, uh, how that translates into different imaginations, I'm like, cool. If it's all metaphorical and that, that's, what, that's how we're doing this, great. Totally yeah. here for it. And then it blurs the line at the end. And I'm like, what, what, what's so, real Christopher what's Robin. not real? And so here's the thing. So here's the thing that, that, that kind of bugs me about the ending as well. Um, I'm not crazy about Wendy Darling being Peter Pan's niece. I I get that's that. a romantic I, that's a romantic relationship. 
let me let me be clear. First off, in the book, it's less romantic. Number one. Number two, uh, I don't think that because most things in this aren't translated literally, uh, one for one. I mean, Hook's also not Peter's uncle. Like that part doesn't matter to me. But again, that goes back to why, like, I feel that element is forced just mm. to tie in the darlings and make the Peter Pan thing more solidified. And I'm like, you didn't need that. I didn't need Alice telling me about that. I don't mind Alice's narration, but I don't need to see her in the future. And I don't need her family to be the darlings. You could have yeah. just had it be the little girl, have some unseen voice. Who's her older uh, narrator telling about essentially the time she lost both her brothers. Yeah. For different reasons. Yeah. Can mm -hmm. we talk about uh, David's death? Because uh, that kid looks like he fell into a, a pond that's one foot deep. Because if you look at the way that got, that boat... He got electrocuted. He got, got electrocuted. Lightning. Yeah. He, he got wait, struck by lightning. The lightning wait, struck the water right next to him. Oh, wow. I guess I just missed that somehow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. He got electrocuted. Uh, okay. I guess I missed that part then. Never mind that critique. Because uh, I just saw like a kid fall in water and like the thing drop, and I'm like, uh, you know what, Ryan? It's, I, it's foot deep. No, you hear the thunderclap, and then you see. Was it raining? Was it raining or thundering before he fell? They, they like, heard the thunder walk. as when he went on in. The boat, when he's on the boat and he's playing fighting the pirates, yeah. and you see the the storm cloud, the thunder clouds roll in. Oh, I remember and the storm clouds coming in. Falls, he's trying to get out, and then it the thunder and then the lightning strikes. Okay. Close to basically, him. basically a longer version of what Sparks just said. Okay, yeah. I, I guess I just I I was looked away or something. Yeah, I guess I just missed him. Yeah. Getting, it was so fast. Wow. Okay. Never right. Mind. It was it was lightning strike. So it yeah. was a blink and you missed it. I don't guess I literally blinked. Wow. So literally, um, like what it looked like on the screen was just like you saw the the bright flash of the bolt above the water, and okay. then his body stops moving. So it's, oh, okay. it, it, you know, you connect that, oh, he was electrocuted. So I, I absolutely missed the part where he got struck, but I saw his body in water. So I just thought he fell into a river that was like no, one foot no. deep. And they were just trying I to make you. us look. Uh, so, okay, so that's not a problem then. Um, I still, I found this movie to be way more dramatic than I think it should have been. I really think this movie should, shouldn't have been as as dour if it's trying to be so fantastical at points. Um, Something like like a Hugo. Have you guys ever seen Hugo? That movie's yes. dope as hell. I, I love looked, that movie. Yeah, the movie's dope. That like rise line of being like fantastical but also realistic. And like I found this movie like the stuff oh. with the beautiful, the stuff with the dad and like his debts. And I was like, this feels like you know, like in Star Wars Episode One, where kids don't care about trade policies. Kids don't care about parents being in debt. Like this is not the story. I don't story. care about parents this, being in debt. This is not the the story that this movie should have had. I thought this was boring as hell. Uh. I didn't like when it led into the debt stuff until I realized it was his family. Yeah. Okay. So like when the kids and, and I caught onto it because I was watching with Megan and Megan said it first. Uh, but while we were sitting and watching it, um, when they meet the Hatter. Yeah. Who is their grandfather? She's like, that's grandpa. That's definitely grandpa. And I'm like, Oh, now the debt thing works for me because it's like about family relations. It's somewhat about classism in London. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all of these things are wonderful things to play with. And I have nothing against them again. Like if I'm looking at the film completely structured as metaphor mm -hmm. for how their imaginations are playing with them all going through grief in their own ways, I don't have a problem with it. What makes it not work for me is the way that they handle the ending of it, where it's like, no, 100% everything that happened with Peter at least is, like, literal. And I'm like, uh, nope, nope, it's not. Uh, that didn't work. He, well, his hand turns right. into a hook. 
that's kind of the issue. The movie can't. That's one. That's I think what Ryan meant when meant totally inconsistently. Like, like the film doesn't know if it wants to be metaphor or if it wants to be a true kind of kind of like a truce telling of that origin. It think, never decides I, throughout the whole movie whether or not what what it wants to do. I think worse than that is that it does decide and then changes its mind. It's yeah. not like it's fluctuating in the in the middle. In the middle of the movie, it is metaphor. Everything is subtle and small and and minimalistic. And then all of a sudden, it's Dream big dust. and bombastic and everything. And I'm like, yo, what? Uh, yeah. And that's and that's really my issue is that it, sh- it changes its mind. If it had stuck through metaphor all the way to the end i would have been into it i would have been like dope i i even think like it's the it's the fighting on the pirate ship at the end and the gold showing up and i'm like yo what but if peter pan had even just like the peter imagery of like the last time he saw his parents is like him covered in the dust and everything i'm like that would work that's still in the metaphor range that i can i can buy (laughs) um Hmm. but the way everything else worked out i just uh yeah like the whole thing for the metaphor was I was hope because we would see like like them in the very beginning them playing in their imagination the, the sticks turning to swords and bows and arrows and I thought that was really cool yeah then and then of course it's like the flashes of like all like the boat like this grand pirate ship they find and then it's like it's just a rundown ship that's just washed up on the beach it's like okay cool one of the things I'd love to see how they pull off was stealing from Uncle James mm-hmm. was how did they steal that. Yeah, but of course it's still the fantasy. It's still it's them in the pirate costume. It's but like, but like at that point, at that point, it's even question like, is it a fantasy? Because they're still they are actually stealing gold. But how'd they get the ship? Yeah, like, but then, but then, you know, but then you see the gold at um at the dad's workstation. Right, that's what that's what I'm saying. That like it doesn't. How do they get that gold by boat? Yeah. If that boat was topsot, was was just a little rinky dink thing flipped over and. That's why that's the confusion is there, yeah. Granted, that's what I'm saying is I wanted to see the metaphor like, oh, it was like a pirate battle. We fought pirates when in reality you just stole from your uncle. How did you steal from your uncle in the real world, not in the fanta- in the fantasy world? Yeah. For for example, like like where I think metaphor imagery works really well is when she steals the alcohol. But to sure. her, it's a blue potion. Yes. So to I her it's this, get- but it's but it's alcohol, but this is how she interprets it. And I'm like, this works for me. This is imagination and reality. I've seen both images at the same time. I get it. Yeah. So go ahead, Ben. I hate that. I despise that moment because there's absolutely no consequence whatsoever. So screw you, Sparks. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I like that how the way that um, Alice sees the po- as the sees the brandy as it's a potion. It's a blue potion. It says drink me. Okay, cool. And she just sees herself growing small. There's no consequence. There is nothing happens. It's just you go small. I feel like you see you grow small. Like oh, because that's what happened in the book. That's what a lot of this movie is. It's like, and I, I, I don't know a lot about Peter Pan or Alice in Wonderland. So for me, this is a fresh movie. This is like the people. I'm the person they want us to, to see, right? Like oh, going with a fresh perspective on these characters and stuff. But the stuff I do know, I still didn't like. Like the Tinkerbell's thing. I thought that was whatever. Like that, and that was that was pointless to me. One of the things that that really bugged me that that. I, I feel that this movie does not need take out of the ending especially. I feel like this movie does not need to be about Peter Pan and Alice. It could be about any two kids in in London at this time and still be the same movie. Yeah. So like it's a, it's just kind of it's just kind of like I'm watching this and I'm like what's the point of this thing but right now? The problem now? is it even though Sparks I know it's it's not what the movie is. 
it leads into the it leads into Peter Pan and like in a weird way. So it is like an origin, but it doesn't. I don't think it works. As well. I don't think it needs to be either. I don't think it needs to be about Peter Pan or Alice. And all we see for Alice is just her walking to falling down a rabbit hole, wearing the blue dress. Whether you're yeah. a Disney film or not, it's like it's the blue dress. And then yeah. it's like all the like the books, the teacup, and then you see the White Queen uh, stroking the White what? Rabbit. And then it's like stroking the white rabbit. She's um, petting. Ben, Ben, yeah. I do want to point out like the blue dress serves more than one purpose of just being like iconically representative of Alice. It's also that she's about to leave with her aunt, who she believes is going to make her a lady. That is a mm-hmm. maid's outfit. That is not oh, her going to be made upper class. That is her going to be made servant of the upper mm. class. It it does serve an extra purpose, so I, I want to push back on the idea. Like there are things in here that are very good and very subtle and very like building to these ideas of like classism, where they're using like uh, the, her their father's race and what they are because of it, and how she's trying to enforce that. Yes, exactly. Like I think all the stuff honestly around the aunt story is done really well. The infertility yeah. attacks, the yeah. way that she covets raising the kids because of it is really gross but her opinions of them are worse because they're they're part black and so she's like looks down on them i think all of that aspect is super good which is the part where alice's story really works for me so the blue dress i really like because it's a very specific look the way that they did it because it's the 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 apron on top it's not part of the dress's color it's an apron on top implying her being made into a maid okay Uh, i I want to because when I when I saw the dress, I just thought that's the Alice in Wonderland dress. I didn't yeah, really it was, see the on top. It was her aunt's version of like, I'm going to make you civilized, as civilized as a black person can be in my eyes, which is yeah. a servant. Uh, I want to take back everything I said about this film. Uh, this film was great when you compare it to Once Upon a Time having Peter Pan's Peter Pan be Rumpelstiltskin's dad. <sighs> I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Okay. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian, save yourself. Don't, I'm, I'm do sorry. I, I heard the sentence. That's all I need. Peter Pan is an, e- it's an even. It's an evil Peter Pan who has been de-aged. Who was at one point Rumpelstiltskin's father. And it's really funny. Robert Carlyle walks up to this like 16 year old boy and says, "Hello, Papa. I'm gonna find this on YouTube." <laughs> cool. Just watch um, it on Disney Plus, my man. No, no, just the scene. Hey, I'm not watching real it. Real quickly, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which I feel is the best, is the better Once Upon a Time, is on Disney Plus. That's Check true. I, I, I did uh, try to be positive. I did like the stuff with the ants. I, I did too. I, I just think Angelina Jolie was just like crying this entire movie. Like she didn't do anything. She was just crying and being sad. And I didn't. She, I, I felt like uh, David Yellow did so much more than Angelina Jolie just being stuck in her house being sad. I think I think she just wasn't given it enough room. Yeah. I think she wasn't given enough room. I do think like the the resolution uh, connection between her and her daughter is missing, and it's and it's badly needed in this movie for that story to work. Uh, a a kind of reaching out beat. There's a lot of things like I think that the brandy scene is really good. I think uh, the like her reaction to the slap is really well done. The way that she finds out what her sister said to her daughter. And uh, what she takes with that information. I think all those, there's so many nuggets of like little pockets where I think this is really solid. This is yeah. really solid character stuff. And, th- and Angelina Jolie has a fair shake of it, but it's not enough. Uh, it's not enough to provide the full arc that I, th- I think you're right that she's deserved because uh, the father figure of uh, David Oyelos uh, is favored. Um, 
And I I mostly like that, but then I feel like his arc is forgotten in the very end uh, and not actually given a, a button um, in a sense. It's, it's like a... It's like a really solid story that I just don't feel like has an actual ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's kind of what I think bums me out. Because honestly, again, like pretty much right up you get to the point where he turns the corner and their uncle turns into a pirate. I'm pretty on board with the movie. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I think that like Peter's, Peter's sense of being the uh, lesser of his siblings and then David passing and carrying that weight and that guilt and that kind of responsibility. And then just trying to find, I do think like the debt thing is a little shoehorned in, but the fact that it ties into a family connection and Peter being so adamant, like I need to find a way to prove I'm just as useful to the family. I think all that works. Uh, None of it bothers me. I like when he finds out that CJ was his uncle I like all when he realizes he was tricked. I think all those bits work really well. It really is the turn of the third act, the the end of the third act, really, that just makes all that not get to land. And that's my only real issue with it. Up to that point, I think that it is more or less well fleshed out character stuff because everything in that third act is the problem. Like it's it doesn't have the resolution properly for Angelina Jolie and her daughter. It doesn't have a button on David Oyel's story. Uh, it just focuses on turning Peter into Peter Pan. And I and just I think wasn't the, here for that concept. I think even the stuff with Alice in that last act doesn't work because it doesn't, it feels kind of like shoved in there. It's because rushing. Like, oh, right, we have to do the Alice thing too. So her her running into the hole, like her running away from the aunt because because she realizes in that moment that she is going to do her wrong works yeah. for me. Uh, but I agree, like, the kind of abridged encapsulation of her adventure in Wonderland uh, doesn't translate. Yeah. And I think I think almost worse, Ryan, you pointed out earlier that this is more for an audience that isn't familiar with the books. I would argue this is for an audience that's only familiar with the books. Maybe that's what uh, it is, yeah. Because, because what it is is, like, you don't need to know the adventure in Wonderland. You know what this whole story is. That story supplanted here because of that's the imagination. Because part of the point is that, like, when Alice comes out the other side of Wonderland, she has a newfound appreciation for her family. That is, that is a one for one. So you're meant to like mentally implant the story there, uh, and and I think that's kind of part of what they're working with in the end. Mm-hmm. I just don't like that that concept. I do want to push back on the tinkers, the tinkers bell thing. Oh. I really like. I really like the way they came about with it, to be honest, uh, that it is a bell made by the Tinker. So it's Tinker's bell, Tinker bell. Um, and that, and that is like the concept of where fairies come from in the Peter Pan story is that's how it works. Uh, she basically recites that one for one out of the book. Um, so I thought that that part, that element worked really well for me. Um, I thought it was weird and interesting that it's Alice who has it. And it's supposed to kind of connect over to like a guardian over Peter, essentially like a surrogate sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doesn't she part she, ways? But she's just like, okay, go to Peter now. Like, yes. but, but, like yeah. but like out yeah. of no reason, just like, right. all right, you yeah, belong I'm with saying, Peter. Like, I, I'm saying like the, the, the concept yeah. I think works. The execution is poor. I think yeah. that's that's my problem with the whole movie. It's just like, almost like for me, like all the execution. Uh, maybe I just, if I if I was a bigger fan of both properties, I'd maybe care more. But like. It doesn't make me want to visit these characters or anything, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, 
to to lightly put it, one of my big problems with this movie is kind of like my issue with the Cloverfield films. It's like just pick one instinct with it. Mm, Do you yeah. want to be uh, a film that's based in metaphor where the the child's imagination is what they see but this is what's really happening or do you want to be highly fantastical just pick one because the way you're doing both does not fit yeah i, I mean, hope the next cloverfield i really i really desperately hope the next cloverfield film makes no sense uh because i, I really want to hear ben rant about cloverfield again <laughs> it's it's actually a fantasy movie next <laughs> <laughs> It's like welcome to the Clover, the kingdom of Cloverfield. God damn it! What are you? <laughs> um <laughs> You hear that, Abrams? I'm Not sorry. The uh, um, hey, well, Chief boy, do I got a story for you? Yeah. I, again, like I really, I really go back to like I think I, I don't think that the metaphor thing becomes a problem until you hit that that point at the end of the third act where it just literally starts showing like pirates and Peter Pan, the crocodile and all that up to that point. I think they ride the line. They tow the line. All right. Uh, And, and it it kind of works for me. And then, and then it's just because they go into that fantastical direction, everything else just doesn't get to hit the, the beats it's supposed to anymore for the film that preceded. Yeah. Cause like, I I want to talk about, go ahead. No, uh, I'm about to change topics. So just like, again, like my favorite stuff, like was the fantastical stuff where like, it it was just them like holding a piece of wood and it turns into something. I wish the whole movie would have been that. Cause then I don't need to worry about, Oh, is it like this? Or is it like this? You're showing me what it is. I agree. Like one of the moments I thought worked really well is uh, Alice when she's scared of her mom and sees her turn into the queen of hearts. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that works. That is like, literal mm-hmm. and showing me what she's seeing but i'm seeing what everyone else is seeing but i'm seeing what she's seeing and i get it that's yeah. the exact kind of thing i want to see throughout this movie um no. her turning like saying off of his head and you see the hearts and the, and the cards and everything behind her i thought that was cool because i'm like cool we're still lying the it's the metaphor it's the metaphor of her mom turning into the queen of yeah. hearts yeah and then and, and then it, it just fumbles the ball yeah um I think I think both Alice and Peter actors do the best with what they have material wise. I think Peter actually comes off being the kind of the most I think he does a really good job of feeling like an ostracized sibling. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't I feel I genuinely get that vibe from him constantly throughout the film like he is the the kind of outsider in his own family and his sister wants to connect to him but she was definitely closer to David cuz both of them were and their relationship isn't as solid, and he definitely feels like the the odd, the black sheep. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that was executed really well. I do want to talk about David because David is definitely like probably the thorn in my side of this movie, even more so than the ending. Because first off, I don't I don't like what the actor's doing with the part. He's too too big in He's comparison loud, to everyone man. else. He's so loud. Um, <laughs> I think that actor's concept of uh, connection is weirdly flirtatious in like everyone he tries to engage with. And I'm, and I'm like, you don't, I don't think you know how to convey this in a sibling way. This just feels weirdly romantic with both of them Um, in a bizarre way. I'm like, that was the vibe I was getting. I I checked with Megan. I'm like, am I reading that wrong? Or does it feel like he's flirting with them? Yeah. The chemistry was off for like, yeah. Like, uh, uh, Peter and, and, uh, let's say Wendy. No, Peter and, uh, Alice. Alice. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah they, I thought I, I was being maybe a little harsh. I think they're fine. Uh, but man, yeah. When anytime that David kid was talking, man, I'm just like, well, here's, wow. It's he's so bad when the, when the other two kids are like engaging in things, I at least 
feel like there are characters present. When he's saying things, I feel like he's doing line readings, and I hear like it. Somebody uh, yelled a line to him, and he just repeated it. Yeah, and then and then the other thing that gets to me about it is that I'm like, outside of needing to create this idea of grief for the family, I don't think David needs to be part of the movie. And that's the part that really gets to me, is I'm like, he, it, he, I, don't, I don't like... <laughs> I don't like that all the basic ideas of, okay, I guess I need to phrase this a little differently. I do kind of like the idea that all the basic imaginational foundations for their stories come from David, but that only works if they stay metaphorical uh, and as representations of them dealing with his death, but that's not what the movie does. And therefore I just don't like it. Um, I I just I, I I wish that they'd uh, more appropriately like David feels like the part that really makes the movie wonky. It's it, it's where it, like changes the family dynamic in a way that they don't seem to know how to completely say what they want to say with it. Um, it because that family dynamic is outside of David pretty freaking good when the movie starts. It becomes so depressing. Like it's such a shift in the movie. Like like thirty minutes in when he dies. Like it is when it's at the at the funeral. It is such a cut. That like I was like I was emotionally like I am not I am not in this scene because it, it was it was from zero to a hundred like I I know this kid died but like this movie just like turned into a different movie for me. So right. the part so in the very beginning of the movie, older Alice Alice Darling is talking about how she always remembers summer she was eight because they found the boat, and it's them and her it's her and her brothers and then when after David's funeral they're looking in the, um, essentially Peter's looking glass. And you see that black whoosh, yeah, across, which is supposed to be Peter's shadow. This is where I thought, okay, David Shadow, hmm? David Shadow, David Shadow. Thank you. You see David Shadow go through, and I'm like, okay, this is where we get to the fantastical spots part. This is where we go to Wonderland. This is where we go to Neverland. This is where they they forge their paths and their destinies. Nope. <laughs> nope. I I didn't. Yeah. I guess I think. Also, I'm helped by the fact when I went into it, I didn't want literal. You know, I didn't want them to literally do the entire mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan stories. So most of the movie is what I wanted, uh, which is like imagination used as metaphor for dealing with human life things. One thing is for the first half hour, I couldn't figure out if Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland were stories that they knew. And that was getting to me. Uh, because the way that David would just kind of throw things out, I'm like, are they just like their favorite books? It would be that, the right time period. That's what I mean. Like some of the references are just like, hey, you know Peter Pan? And I'm just like, are you are you Peter Pan or do you know Peter Pan trying to be Peter Pan? Like I was I was also with you a little bit until we got later on, but I'm like, hey, remember Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. Uh, it's, like a Marvel, it's like a Marvel movie over here, you guys. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad that they never like, out and out said anything more than like really like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys as concepts with Tiger Lily. Uh, they never like called Neverland by name or Wonderland by name in like a concept that they that they knew of. And I'm like, that'd be that'd be maybe a bridge too far for me on this they, one. They no, they say Neverland exists at one point. He yeah, but it's of Neverland. Yeah. Yes. They talk about he, Neverland. That's that's right. They yeah. do talk about Neverland, that it exists. Absolutely, yeah. And Alice yeah. mentioned that she never found the rabbit hole to Wonderland ever again. Ooh. But right, but that's ab, but that's post. I mean, yeah, like, post, you know, in post. the pre-setup with, like, David and stuff, that it's like, 
oh, and then you take your adventure oh. to Wonderland, and I'm like, okay, so this is just like 100%. And, no, and one more thing that kind of, and another thing that kind of buzzed me is like they were talking about how adult, how grownups can't dream anymore. Yeah. And it's because of, and then Alice, and it's never mentioned. And there are a lot of times where it's like, oh, you could have made made that like a driving force. It's like, oh, our parents can't dream anymore. It's like after David dies, our parents can't dream anymore. Let's help them dream again. And yeah, then, that could have been. Yeah, actually, yeah. And then, and it does. And the only re- time it's brought up is at the very end of the movie when Wendy's staring off into the sky, sees a second star to the right, and the and the stars like drifting away because of the golden dream dust. Which, yeah, that was not. Guys, I don't like this movie. I don't either. But here's two things I do like. I like that Captain Hook's door has a giant like kaleidoscope thing that, or like uh, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Periscope. Periscope. Thank you. A periscope that comes out and it's like all doohickey. I thought that was dope. And the scene <clears throat> where all the Lost Boys are telescope. Dream- telescope. Ah, I think Periscope was actually right. Um, no, Periscope is the one on the submarines where you go boop. You're right telescope anyway when all the kids are dreaming and they're talking about oh and all the dreamscapes and it shows this old man trying to grab their dreams and he's just like i can't get the dreams and i'm like that's cool that's cute uh yeah. i wanted the whole movie to be a lot of that and you know that's okay. yeah. so you know i have i've been negative but i will it was a quick moment but one part that really did work for me is when the kids meet their grandfather for the first time yeah where he goes around the room and like when i first seen him, it was like He's real, and then he he moves around the room. Is like, okay, that's cool. But oh, he's like, he's like hiding and stuff. Yeah, that yeah, was good. He's hiding in plain sight, but you think he's a marionette. Uh, speaking of that, the moment when he holds the watch and there's a recognition, but it's not a hundred percent. Are you really sure you well want to sell? Are you sure yeah, you want to yeah. sell? Are you sure you watch? Wanna, do you, do you have to part with it? Uh, really good uh, that he doesn't one hundred percent recognize that it's his watch that he gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, it, there's a glimmer of it there. That actor did a. I thought that actor did a great job being a hacker and being fun. their grandfather. I thought he was really good. And honestly, I really liked the energy between uh, James and uh, uh, his brother Jack. when David Oyelo Jack uh, gets there. James and Jack when they're when they're face to face. I thought that was a really good chemistry. I honestly wish they had had more than a single scene of it. I think I I think I definitely wanted more Captain Hook as well. But like oh, at that yeah. point, I'm just like. What do I personally want? Yeah. Like at first, when he mentions his name was CJ, I was like, Captain CJ, Captain, J- like, is that supposed to be Captain James Hook? But I definitely, I Googled it in it to see what CJ stands for. <laughs> Captain James. I didn't Google think it. about, I, I didn't think the first initial would be Captain. Neither did uh, I. That's what I was like, Ugh, yeah. It's like, you call yourself the Captain? <laughs> his name, I don't, I was just like, his, na- his legal name's not Captain James. <laughs> he legally changed it, yeah. <laughs> but and again, one, like, there's, go ahead. Uh, was Michael Caine supposed to be the walrus? Or was that a Disney edit? Was that a Disney edition? Michael Caine was in this movie. Yes, I forgot about him. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think he's meant to directly correlate to anyone no, I'm, specific. I'm, I'm just, I'm but he don't have the whiskers. Honestly, Sparks, I'm just I was just bullshitting there. Do you think do you think anymore. Michael Caine do you think Michael Caine was called up and was like, hey, do you want to do this part? It's like, is there food? Sure. Okay. He shows up for one day, like put on this mustache, you get you get a free meal. Uh, uh, <laughs> Megan was pointing out to me because she was looking through the cast that like several of these actors have all worked together on previous projects before with the with the screenwriter, I think. So yeah. uh, so I I think they were all kind of lured together for it mm. by that. Um, yeah. And I can understand like when you hear the premise on paper, like it sounds really good. And again, I have no proof that the beginning and ending were shoehorned in at the last second by somebody. 
but they definitely don't feel like they fit. So I, I think that somebody was afraid the movie didn't work without him. Some, produ- uh, some producer, yeah. Because I think the film works a, a lot better when you take those two pieces out, um, personally. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was, um, shoot, Ben was talking about Michael Caine. Mo- Sorry. You, do you guys okay. know how you know how you say Michael Caine in British? You in, in British, you say my cocaine. Yeah, my cocaine. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> my cocaine. Wait, I did it wrong. You did it. Yeah, you did. My cocaine. My what co- you got, I, I just, I just, I thought there were a lot of of solid elements. I thought uh, that the the whole movie kind of felt weirdly like a filmed play. Yeah. In a weird, in like a not a bad way. Um, but in a way that worked for me, uh, I, I just, I feel like they just didn't come to a concise resolution of what everything that had, had been set up through most of the movie would have worked towards. And I think that that was there and it just didn't get stamped in and nailed down. And, uh, Oh, I like the classism, uh, about the brothers, uh, mm-hmm. The fact that 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 uh, Jack has essentially made it for himself, but he's looked down on, uh, and he's poorer, more poor than his brother. And his brother is a is the underground lower class scum that mm-hmm. most uh, other upper classes would stick their nose down at. But you look at how he's done for himself, and that that's the family he kind of comes away from, and their dynamic because of that I'm like honestly like I I wish this movie had both handled like the children's arcs a little better, but also just like really driven home this idea of like gross classism overbearing on this family that decided to be mixed race and like make it on their own, which is really what, what's, what's at play in a lot of elements for all of them, really like Peter's Peter's treated differently in school and not given a lot of chances because he's black. uh, Yeah. And like the blackest of the three. So um, David his and his uncle want to take him to the, the prep school. Prep school. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to pay his tuition because he's the lighter skin tone out of the three, too. David, and, yeah. I, and I thought there was something valuable in the sense that, like, you see David as a bad influence on him in a way. He's yeah. trying to do his arithmetic for him. He's not helping him to learn. He just wants him to go and play. One more and adventure. I thought that was a really, I thought that was a really good scene to show that, like, David's not thinking of the best for him, even though they're putting this kid up on a pedestal. Uh, you know, there, there's, there are cool dynamics at play here. They're just not played with enough. But um, yeah. I also really like when Peter's table of doodles, scratches come to life. Yeah, all that stuff. Uh, all that stuff I'm a big fan of, yeah. Um, I'm done. How are we feeling? I'm, yeah. I'm done. Let's get away from come okay. away. Uh, I guess we'll rate it. So yeah. uh, uh, I'll go backwards this time. Sparkles. Uh, final thoughts and give it a number. Six and a half. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of really good little things here. It just doesn't come together for a solid final product. And it's a yeah. shame because I think that there is something that could have been really, really special here. I think it's, I think it's bold. Uh, it's just not, it's just not, uh, bold enough. Executed, executed well enough. That's all. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah, um 
I'd give it like a five point five. Like I, it's like it's like I like I like some of the stuff in it. Um, I, I really wanted to like it more because like the fantastical elements I really enjoyed, but I just found it to be very dour and depressing at points where I didn't think the movie needed to be. Um, for trying to be a kids movie about Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. Um, yeah, five point five. If you if if you're a diehard fan of these characters, give it a chance. I guess yeah. Ben, four and a half. Yeah. Oh. I, this movie did not do it. I thought the, the third there, act. There's no Crimes of Grindelwald. No. no. <laughs> no. Not, enough, I thought about that because the last movie I gave a four was Crimes of Grindelwald. Now, Crimes of Grindelwald made me mad. This one got my hopes up and it just did not stick the landing at yeah. all. There are good concepts here, there are good things, but the way it, like Spark said, the way they are executed is horrible. And in my humble opinion, they should have just picked a certain route and stick with it. Because the I, fact that the third act goes completely fantastical at the very end of the film, just the road is like, no, F it. It's like what was real, what was not. And I don't like that. I, I, I just want to be clear because you referenced me. Uh, my I didn't say the executions were horrible. I do think they're sloppy. Okay. I won't use um, the word horrible, though. Okay. I will rate it a 5.5. It's, it was all right. I kind of regret watching it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least, hey, at least it was only an hour and a half. Like, if imagine this, like, being super bloated, trying to do the whole mythology and just like, true. oh, boy. Thank God. Um, okay. Time for our book club. Let's do the book club. Here's the book club time. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Book Store. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah, hi. Um, do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um, anything readable? But clubs, let's do it. Read it. Take it away. I will I... say this. I will say this. Just looking back at Come Away, real quick, and comparison back. to our to our previous movie review, I do think Come Away is a riskier and bolder film than New Mutants, and that's a oh. bummer for New Mutants. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay. So book club. Uh, this week was mine. I I watched. You know what? I couldn't figure out what I was going to do. I kind of wanted to do a holiday one. But I was thinking to myself, I'm watching the Christmas Chronicles. I like me some badass Santa. So I picked... The, a I holiday just, one? A holiday one. A second uh, volume. We, I've done the first volume before, Klaus. Um, I've chosen Klaus, The New Adventures of Santa Claus, which collects uh, The Witch of Winter and The Crisis of Christmas Bill uh, one-shots that came after the main seven-issue miniseries. What do we think about this one? Yo, talk about a complete 180 from for uh, Come Away. This one was like, no, let's just go balls to the walls crazy and I'm for it. The only little hang up is I want to find out what happened on the moon. I don't know if that's collected somewhere else. No. Or, uh, no. Not, yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. Which okay. is which is what I love about Grant Morrison. He's very much like Jonathan Hickman. We're like, hey, here, I'm going to tell you a story idea. Maybe I'll get to it in five years. <laughs> but besides that, I really, really enjoyed both of these. Sparks? Um, I thought there were a lot of good concepts here, but the execution was just so... I'm sorry. Horrible. Um, Terrible. Sloppy. No, I thought it was good. Good. I'm glad. Um, Yeah, I love me some Santa Claus. Um, I think think this Grant Morrison series is incredible. Uh, Every Christmas, I look forward to the new one-shots, even though... Every single one of these one shots, and that continues with the next two, they could just be an ongoing series. It, 
See, it's it's I know it's it's the Hellboy model, and it's it actually works better for them. For for weird business reasons, selling a new number one or a new annual gets you more subscribers and more money than a number three, and that's just the weird business model of it. And I, I, hate, uh, it. I, I, I hate it. I know it's just they throw in so much story, and it always leaves me wanting more, which is good. You know, I yeah. always want to come come back for more. Absolutely. But, uh, let's talk about uh, which winter. We'll go one shot to one shot. Um, the winter hey, winter the the Pola Cola Core Civil War. So uh, Santa Claus was uh, Klaus was on uh, on was chained on the moon from what was it called lunar Lu- lunar luninium, Lu- yes <laughs> Luna Luna Lumi yeah <laughs> I can't pronounce it um, precious moon platinum yeah uh, um, he was up there for decades after the lunar civil war it's a long uh, story <laughs> it's a long story well maybe someday. I took a picture of that because that is like very much like, yeah, this is like the, like what we're going to do in like issue seven. <laughs> like, give me like a couple years. We'll get so, to that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Klaus is a, is a reimagining of the Santa Claus mythology. Um, it started with uh, uh, last time on Klaus. Um, the, uh, the, the newly created Santa Claus fights the Krampus. Um, and then he's immortal. So he goes to live on and creates it. There's a great line where he's like, how do you get all those houses? Wait, decades. What about all the kids? Like, like I had back, you know, I had backup, and I relied on parents to give their kids gifts. Like, I, I yeah, don't really like, do that anymore. Wait, Santa Claus is real. How did you deliver to everyone on the planet? He's like, oh, I stopped doing that a long time ago, kid. <laughs> the the planet got too big. Yeah, Popul- too many people. Population grew. I had backup, and then the parents helped. So I'm like, all right, cool. You do that for me, thanks. So um, the the Witch of Winter. She's like a she's like a, a a what's what's the Game of Thrones character? I already forgot. It's been only a year, and I forgot the Night King. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, Massandra. No, I was gonna say the Night King because he's a he's oh, a King? yeah he's like a, a witchy white warrior. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is a Night King. So they go. She's the so, she's the Snow Queen. She's the Snow yeah. Queen. Yeah. So she's they go. The Snow Queen. She's also kind of like she like cut into the very end. She's also like um um like a, a certain elemental where she changes with the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Klaus is uh, needs to go save some kids, so he goes to. Uh, he's following the trail of the kids and he finds his way to his old workshop. And I love this line. Ryan said it a bit. Uh, this was our first workshop ruined and abandoned in the battle with the Pola Cola Corps. Which we find out more about in the next issue. Which we find out more about in the next issue. Yeah. I, um, I, I adore the art, obviously Dan Moore, this is Grant Morrison, Dan Moore back again. Um, Geppetto. Oh, and it's it was, of, of puppets. Yeah. yeah. So, Geppetto uh, was, was Santa's uh, apprentice. So after, so you guys know I'm I'm a fan of fables. I've read all of fables mm-hmm. and spoilers for a 15 plus year old book. Geppetto is the adversary. He's like one of the main antagonists in fables. Reading where Geppetto is a good guy and he is sorry and he wants to help and he's made of wood himself is like you know what this is a nice refreshing change of pace because every time I hear Geppetto, even when I was at Disneyland, I'm like, f you Geppetto, you suck. Again, even like looking at Come Away and like how it reimagines like you know mythology and stuff. Like this is this is how you do it, baby. Like wanna... Grant Morrison is like making his own like Superman comic, but with but with Santa Claus. What? So there's the Hall of Santas. You got the Hall of Santas, and they're all uh, gonna come alive. This is just Gandalf. <laughs> at the Yuletide Gandalf, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, there is a there is a guy here, who, the the no shirt dude. Uh, he is in the battle with Ragnarok. That's uh, the fourth one shot. Yeah, sinister Santa or whatever. 
you also got the Yule people who are essentially the elves and one who completely turned traitor, Spoon Licker. Spoon like, Licker, I love yeah. That. I love that name. I love the onomatopoeia, Slorp. Yeah. Uh, also, not only that, I love how they, I don't know if this was intentional, but Spoonlicker is kind of like bootlicker. Yeah. Yeah. Spoonlicker always has a spoon to lick, no matter what it is. It's like, ooh, I don't like you. The lady, the lady gave him infinite spoons to lick. That was his promise. Um, when he meets the witch for the first time, he's like, I'll stand where I am. You have my respect, lady. But I kneel to no power! And he breaks out of the <laughs> chains. And I was like, yeah! Uh, it's 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 so good. It's really it's really good. This is a really good comic. Grant Morrison obviously is really really talented. Um, this is his mytho mythological Superman story where he also gets to meet like Grandfather Christmas, who's like Batman. Um, it's just wild storytelling, and I it's obviously the art's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just like a puppet puppet uh, uh puppet snowman. It's so great. Sparks, you've been silent for a bit. Anything you wanna add? It's real good. <laughs> it, it's very good. The the giant he creates the Jotuns. Yeah, um, Geppetto's death is is actually pretty sad. It is. Uh, this um, is this is one of those comics where like I have a really hard time talking a lot about it because it's 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 very it's, well done. So yeah. I don't I don't have a lot to say about it, and it's not one where I like to just this thing happened and this thing mm -hmm. happened and that was real good and I'm like just go read it guys it's real good it's a it's uh, a it's a bard burger. not that not that I'm shitting on our book club I just don't have a lot uh, to add about it it's got really good art I think it's conceptualized really well I do think that uh, frankly I think Witch of Winter is better than the the Pola Cola one. Oh, um, I I'm oh, a, interesting. I am hard on the disagreement. I think the second one's so much more fun. The villain is so much more compelling. Actually, I like the second one a little bit more. To be perfectly, I mean, I, 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 that's different strokes for different blokes, guys. We all know this yeah. from Ben's bondage days. Uh, you know, it's okay. Um, I this is gonna be. Oh, I did gag. watch another movie. Um, I can't say I didn't play a company though. Oh my, F wonderful. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think I just found Witch of Winter more charming, mm. and uh, and I like I like the Snow Queen story in general, which this pulls a lot from the story, um, sure. and uh, and so it's almost aside from what Ben brought up about her being like an elemental that turns to spring, it's almost one for one. And even then there's still the concept in the snow queen story that when she is like defeated, it's that she recedes away. Thus she is not spring herself, but spring comes forward at last. So like all of that is kind of there. Uh, so just seeing that execution done the way it is, is really good. This isn't to say that I don't like the other one that we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that this one is uh, uh, more, um vivid in its uh in its characterization like i like the kids a lot and what mm. they do and the way that that's conceptualized and their connection and i and i think spoon liquor and the fleshing out between spoon liquor and geppetto and and the other uh characters that klaus used to know all feels like really really engaging in the in the way that it comes together and the stuff with lily um lily uh, uh, uh being there for him uh all of that just works very very well i mean uh, um, like witch of winter just like it, it gets me right from the beginning if uh, I may. when the bat hits him uh mm. oh, in yeah. the opening and he's unfazed by it and i'm like this is gonna be this is gonna be a great time i also have to confess 
this is the second time I've read Witch of Winter, so that might be why it lands a little better with me. I read Witch of Winter right after we finished Klaus the last time, and then oh. I didn't read uh, past that, but I did read that one. So Witch of Winter lands really well for me because uh, I've had extra absorption. Hmm. Um, if I may transition us to the next one shot, Christ Christ's Christmas filled with a little story. A trademark dispute escalated into all-out war between Pola Cola and this Klaus character. My father, Agamemnon Partridge the Third, and I—we fought him to a standstill. That's the best shit. I love it. Um, it sounds like so, it sounds like the crawl to episode one. So yeah. um, it's still Dan Mora on art. But he's decided to do a different style. He's painting this time instead yeah. of doing digital. And guys, I think, like, it's not like that first issue was bad, but this is, like, on a whole nother level of good. Like, holy shit, the second volume or the second issue was stunning. Every single panel was like a painting. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, I found the villains to be so much more dynamic and just interesting. Cause I this, love dark alien Santa. <laughs> I do, too, because, like, the Snow Queen, she doesn't say, she, like, barely talks, so, like, there's nothing for me to connect with. Whereas I got evil Santa Claus and evil, like, uh, um corporate lex luther and evil corporate jimmy olsen and i'm just like all of these evil men and he wants let's make a christmas a corporation thing and it's like i, I evil and uh evil dark metal versus santa claus like i thought it was lobo santa to be it, you're, you're, you're also, lobo. also um, yes but basically the impetus for this for this one shot uh for those of you who don't know is that um there is a town called christmasville that is not xmasville that is not on the map and everybody in that town has been turned into santas xmasville is better for the brand Xmasville is better for the brand. Um, it's all-encompassing. All no, no, no. It's run. Yeah. It's run by the Pola Cola organization, um, who at one time in the in, in like the thirties, nineteen thirty-one, uh, uh, fought with Santa Claus for the rights um, of Christmas. Um, but a a a family is lost in this town. Um, again, kids are involved. Uh, the dad is a Santa, and the grandmother Kate. Uh, uses a flare gun to call Klaus. They had met before. They had they had met when she was a young girl. Okay. She got her flare gun oh. in 1931, which I can only assume was when the Nazis invaded. She Poland. she no she was at the Pola Cola War. That's what oh. she says. Like I was there with you. Never mind. <laughs> also, um, it's just like Joe Christmas. There's a reference to Santa Claus versus the Martians, which is a 1950s science fiction movie where, where Klaus says, 20 years ago, we fought the so-called Martians in a town like this. And like, that is a direct reference to that 1950s movie. Uh, and I'm like, that's so cute because Santa Claus yeah. fights a bunch of aliens. Okay, so I read that Martians line. I thought, all right, that's probably going to come up. Now. I didn't think it was a reference to a movie. Uh, it's the a movie. Next, the what? next one shot was called The Crying Snowman, and that's Ragnarok. Okay. No. Oh, that's one good. Thing that, one yeah. thing that they want to mention that I caught, and I didn't know if this was Grant Morrison's way of like sneaking in a little snide remark to capitalism or whatever, was when they was when the Polacola grandpa was like talking about how they're gonna raise an army of evil Santas and have them murder, but their Santa is gonna be the one that's gonna like save the world. And if you have a Polacola in your hand, it's Christmas because. And the blue, I, the blue suited Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It reminded me a little bit of how because it's the Coca Cola company that essentially created the modern versions, like the the suit, the beard, and all that jazz. If so, my memory serves, I could be wrong on my history, but so I remember one of the things. So one of the things I want to mention about this. I'm sorry, you were you were interrupting Ben while he was finishing his point. Oh, uh, I thought you were done, Ben. Did you? Oh, yeah, I was. Done. I was just saying, if I'm wrong on my history, let me know. Let me know. Um, so there's two things I want to point out real quickly. 
one that's introduced as a dark multiverse essentially um and a and aliens there's just a flying saucer over the ship hell yeah there is um oh nation and then one of my favorite things grandfather grandfather frost yeah and then father's christmas and in or whatever they're missing since they're 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 on the moon or something they're on they're this is before Klaus goes to the Lunar Civil War because it's That's going right. badly. That's right. Um, my favorite page. Um, it's when it's when like the, the the young the young guy's talking to the evil businessman, and he's like brainwashing brainwash to steal kids and then sell them to aliens. And he's like, yes, in return for weapons to fight a war with Klaus. And then it's just this kid's montage of him talking to Santa Claus as a kid and why he originally loved Santa and why he originally loved Christmas. And how he, now he's becoming a bad guy against the thing that he loved. I thought that was that was so beautiful, especially the page of him as a little kid whispering in Santa's ear because uh, it was painted. I'm like, this is just stunning stuff. This is it's about Santa Claus Superman still. I'm like, this is just this is why I read comics. It's so funny. The only dialogue in that sec- in that sequence what I really like, and also what I find harrowing when you get to like the the future shot of what they wanted to do was tell me what you want for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of those. Then, yeah. And then once you get down to the scene with the Santas with all like the AK with not the AKs with like the M16s and they're just and they're just blasting people away and you constantly and all the world bubbles say what do you want for Christmas? It's Tell me it's it's Christmas. spooky. It, it goes from oh this is what I used to do as a kid to yikes. Um, so grandfather Frost gives Snow Maiden his granddaughter. Um, Robin. The, yeah. Uh, cold smelted dream silver uh, that was given to them that was given him to uh, the sky people There's only and, only, one. and only one of them was made <laughs> yeah god that's some silly lore I love it I love it um, I want to also touch on uh, kind of the end when you know Klaus saves all the kids and uh, all the kids are like we're, we're, we'll never make it Klaus it's impossible and he's just and he's doing the on dash or on prance on and he's doing that thing I was like that is so epic it is it is beautiful artwork like seriously yeah. like it's almost like like weird like ethereal at that point and it's not like regular comics um i'm i'm so f- dan moore is so good and he doesn't just do one style which i find fascinating like in, like from issue to issue he changes his style and i'm like nobody has to do that but he <laughs> wants to try new shit um and i'm just i i respect the dude because like it works I want, so i want to talk about the ending in the beginning as mm-hmm. a whole so the the whole book is being narrated by this one girl how she about this one woman she's talking about watching her brothers and her sister or brother and sister essentially get their imagination sucked out which i think is a really cool concept aliens who eat imagination yeah and and then santa claus comes to kate and she says no one calls me kate it's either mom or grandma or grandma and it's like well i'm here to help but then once we get to the final we see this book called xmasville and you see the, it's like oh this is the woman the girl who survives she still remembers she still has her imagination so she's writing this book no she doesn't or she doesn't no oh. remember she says um uh she says i don't consider myself a writer of fiction that would take an imagination i don't have mm. oh you're right you're right she did lose her imagination yeah but as she's even though she's selling this book and then here comes this is a gift from uh your grandmother and then she's like my grandmother died and, I, and then she goes out and she sees the star and is like her name was kate yeah because she still remembers her grandmother and now she has this sweet ass looking flare gun she ever needs santa claus's help 
Yep. It's like your grandmother is this was your grandmother's so if you ever need my help again, just Oh, and you know what? This would make sense that he didn't do this earlier because he was locked away on the moon. So this is still so this is still in that time period of like after he was locked uh after he escaped the moon. It's yeah. fun that like that the that this that the each book like in subsequent order doesn't have to be in the same chronological order. Yeah. You can bounce around. Which what Hellboy does. Like Hellboy has comics from like the fifties and then the seventies and the sixties. It's all coming out at different times. Yeah, the, the next two uh play aren't they don't give us any more nuggets about the Lunar Civil War or anything like that. Uh instead he decides to be like, Yeah, Santa Claus fought with Thor at Ragnarok and it's gonna happen again. I don't have so I, I haven't obviously I haven't read past this. Um but does eventually Santa Claus get like a sidekick Robin companion as well? Because I've seen pictures of this kid, or is that like the that might be the newest one coming out? No, so there's there's Joe Christmas, which was the last one shot that came out. It was called The Life and Times of Joe Christmas. It was a series of basically just pinups. It was uh, like mm. it was this guy's entire life uh, in a horizontal pinup format, no dialogue, just art. Uh, and that's what people are referencing. Of. He, for a while, Joe Christmas was kind of a sidekick to Santa. Yeah, because like he he's like the Nightwing to his like his like yeah. Superman. Order. I'm like, man, that's such a cool idea. This is building like this weird superhero Santa universe. I'm glad yeah. it's working. I'm glad it's working out. I love the I love the series so much. I can't wait. It's, to this is probably like like you guys know I'm not a big Christmas guy. This is probably my favorite Christmas thing. Like besides uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> I love um, sword. Yeah. I it's this one in um, Legend of the Garden. No. Which Guardians movie was uh, it? Rise of the Guardians, yeah. Dude, that one. Legend of the Guardians was the Owls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Rise of the Guardians. I really like uh, Santa when Santa has swords. This you one know, in when he's fighting evil dark multiverse Santa, my immediate mind went to, oh my God, give me a Genny Tartakovsky animated show of this. Because like that's what that like the animation. I was like, oh my god! It doesn't have to be violent, but like man, just like those smooth lines. Oh god! Where and, werewolf, uh, werewolf Saiyan Santa. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! It's weird because I know I was giving crap for uh, come away with the, the style storytelling where it's like, oh, is it real? Is it not real? And then surprise, it's all whatever is going on. Whereas with Grant Morrison, their style of writing is just so bonkers like it's it throws nuggets and information nothing is off limits but for some reason the way that um the way that um grant morrison writes it i'm on board i'm I'm if i were to fine whereas other things it's like no you gotta explain that shit if i were to if i were to um make a comment about what you're what you're speaking to i think first off klaus says its intention in the beginning of every book it's like this is Klaus, this isn't mm-hmm. a dream. This isn't. This is what. This is real. And two, in a comic book, you can get away with a lot more than you can with a movie. In a movie, they talk about writers talk about this a lot. How the audience really only gets one buy. Like you've got one big idea that you can sell to the audience. You cannot. You cannot do two. Okay. Um, and 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 I think this in a comic book, it does not have that restriction. You can do whatever you want, however you want, in whatever way you want. Absolutely. Um. Okay, that's it. I got nothing. You good? I uh, I wish there was more class as well, but I also understand other things need to get drawn as well, like Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, so next week, we're doing Ten of Swords. Oh! So, no book club, right? No, because all of us are going to be reading 24 issues of X-Men. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just do Ten of Swords. It'll just be that comic, so no book club. We'll skip that. Sparks, you'll be the week after. 
if you're watching this or listening to this, uh, please read X of Swords and then come watch us do this live. I would love to talk about X Men with people all the time, every day, all the days, every day. Um, I got some other things coming, but I won't announce them here. We'll see what happens this week. Okay. Guys, if you're watching this, thank you so much for staying with us pretty late. It's actually not. Oh, yes, it is. It's too no, late. it is. It's late. Um, <laughs> in the morning, bud. Uh, so, yeah. We got a bunch of stuff on this channel. Make sure to like this video. Make sure to subscribe to this channel. Um, we have more. Man, that sounds so cool out of your microphone. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, we have our Fake Nerds Watch series on this channel, which we are currently going through The Mandalorian. Uh Probably so. Not this coming week, but the week after will be another episode because we do two at a time. Yep. Um, this coming week. Well, we might. Well, no, they will come out the week after. Well, it'll come out. It'll come out this coming weekend. If we record it this coming weekend. We better. I think we got a lot we got to talk about. It's bad enough we're going to be waiting one week on this one. Um. We got a lot to talk about this week, but not now because we also have Basement Arcade. You guys talked about it a bit. Fortnite's coming to the Basement Arcade. Oh, it's true. It's happening. Yes, there we will have uh, two Fortnite videos, one where Ryan and I are just kind of showing off some of the Marvel event stuff before it's over from the Fortnite world, and then one where we're doing the event where you fight Galactus this Tuesday. One time only because I, I don't get it, but you know. You know, the biggest game in the world that's played by millions of kids. Let's do it on a Tuesday at one o'clock when they're in school. <laughs> um, and we also have our Fake Nerd Book Club series. Uh, we may get a new episode out by the end of the year. Uh, maybe not. We'll see. Um, we also have a we also have mask. Guys, hey, Black Friday, 25% off masks. Exclusive Fake Nerd Podcast mask. Got our logo on it. Uh, coming from uh, the wonderful crafted by Z. Both those links are in the description to her Instagram account and her um, Etsy. Etsy, thank you. Um, yeah, so check those out. Wear your mask. LA is going into another lockdown. I'm pissed. Wear your damn mask. Of course, we also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us on Patreon or if you'd like to support us on T Public. We got some cool shirts on T Public. We got some cool stuff on Patreon sometimes, um, if I can remember. All those links are in the description below, or you can find them all at www.fakenerdpodcast.com, uh, which is in the ticker below. Of course, links below as well, and all those links are there on the homepage. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate all, all you guys watching this, all you guys listening to this. Uh, Mag, you're the real MVP, watching at 2.30 in the morning. You're the best. Hey, hey people, um, be like Mag. Stay up. <laughs> and the other person who's here, because we have two watches actually right oh, now. Oh, we have so. two. Was the other person He's probably probably still witch historian. There you go. Thank you guys. Um, historian, you stay up late too. Thanks to everyone who 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 does that whole bit. I did that bit already. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci. Jeremy's cool guy. He does some stuff for us. Maybe some more stuff soon. Uh, you can find him at Instagram at Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards. He does our music, things like that. If I didn't make that clear, um, you can find his podcast as well at Suburban Proctologist. Official on Facebook and at Subproc Podcast on Instagram, or you can just subscribe to it on iTunes. There's a third person watching this now. Holy shit! I don't believe you. I'm serious. <laughs> I'll take a picture if you want me to. No, I'm just saying we're done. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> um, and of course, Mike Vitola. Uh, Mike is a really cool dude. Our latest 
Um, oh, uh, whoops, Mag, I didn't see this. Oh, yeah. uh, no probs. Have a good one and stay safe. Later. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Um, where was I? Mike Patola. He's cool. We have our fifth. Let's call it five. There are fifth and a half. Um, Mike's Impossible Movie Trivia Challenge for The Little Mermaid. That is up now. Check that out. Or you can find him at Mike Matola to get The Little Mermaid print. It's awesome. Hey, you see this cool logo that's on the screen that my fingers point to? Mike drew that. Wow! And uh, other logos that and other some, logos. some we use, some we don't. Um, <laughs> thank you. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm a BC McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? I am Ben Maggot on Instagram and Twitter. Well, no, Ben Maggot 27 on Instagram and Twitter. I had a bit and I lost it. It's late. I'm tired. I want to I wanna watch anime. And if you like old school video games like I do, I also write for oldschoolgamermagazine.com. I was up to 4 o'clock in the morning writing my newest article. The link is in the description down below. You want to know what it's about? It's about why the classics won't die. And that's a good thing. Another great article from Nostalgia's Bitch. Did you read it? No. Okay. Um, thank you to uh, uh, no, you, you <laughs> thank you to me. No, thank you to thank me, you to Ryan. Thank you to Ryan for saying where you're from. Hey guys, I'm from where I live, right here in my house. Uh, you can find me at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. <laughs> Tired <laughs> sparks. Uh, you can find me desperately trying to find my way back to Doctor Who now that uh, John Barrowman is returning as Jack Harkness yeah. for the holiday special. And Brandon didn't put it in the news. Uh, at Sparks Woody on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Woody. I want to be there for that, too. All right. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podcasts. Like and subscribe. Uh, like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Rate and review us wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, stay fake nerds. <laughs>